everybody, and welcome to episode 470 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Rapares, coming to you from the Tim Gray Memorial Studio. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio, go to patreon.com slash laser time and join us at the $20 level. Who's joining us now? Joining uh, me Christopher now. And, Christopher and Titties and Tista. He's, I just ran out of it. I didn't think of a thing to say. Uh, that's fine. And some people still in this town still call me and Titty. Um, and I don't know what I anybody have an accordion? Weird, Matthew Allen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that trailer is something else. Uh, it's weird to see a jacked Weird Al. Like yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's got muscles. It's weird. It's like, but then you remember Daniel Radcliffe's very short too. Yeah, so. it's like oh okay, so I see they're taking some liberties with the biopic. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Well, uh, isn't Daniel Radcliffe like literally a foot? shorter than the actual Weird Al, at feels least. Feels like it. Yeah. yeah. It feels like it. I might be seeing him this year. I can't decide whether I actually want to go to a, some kind of event like that. I have the weirdest Weird Al concert experience, probably of you guys, uh, at least. I've Jimmy. seen him from behind the stage on a Duffy boat in Lake Mission Viejo in Orange County. So I saw the random costume changes when he was getting in and no out shit. of the fat suit and stuff like that. Yeah. Huh. The uh, Dare to be Stupid Devo outfits. I, I saw him at Wild Adventures. So not technically weird, but it was a few feet from tigers that were very poorly caged in kind of a scary way and log flumes and roller coasters. But that's not very special, is it? That trailer, no, that's, though. it's great. Is this stupid? <laughs> is this a dumb idea? Is it, I, I think this, it might be deliberately stupid. Does yeah, the trailer this, dare to be stupid, Chris? Right, Are you posing it, that question? It. That's not the, the the best trailer that came out this week by a long shot. And I know this probably belongs in news, but like you know, we don't get excited for a lot of freemium mobile games. But uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave and I were laughing at the brand, the newly announced Warped Carts. Ah. Warped. Oh yeah, with King of the Hill carting. It's. They they took away Bob's Burgers. Not a fan of that because I guess other than the, the Simpsons is not allowed to play with any of the other Fox animated game. But for some reason, they've combined Peter Griffin, American Dad, and King of the Hill, which hasn't been on the air for over a decade, into numerous games. And this is a cart game with with now with the Solar Opposites guy. With Solar Opposites is a great show. Yeah. Also just, not on Fox. Neither is American Dad. It hasn't been for a long time. It's been on TBS. Yeah, but they're, they're still owned by Fox. Mm. Like a uh, Fox Hulu is owned by Disney, which also owns Fox, and that originated at Fox. So right, Solar okay. Opposites is a Fox show. Uh, but so technically, this is a Disney game. Yes, the same way Planet of the Apes is Disney and Fight Club and Sound of Music. It's all great. <laughs> I wish I wish one company would own everything. We're getting there. But Hank Hill rides around on a turbocharged lawnmower, and I just took a little clip of him in the cart game and sent it to Michael. The Audacity! But whenever he, he got hit with an item and just goes, The Audacity! And I've been... <laughs> Raging in traffic now, just using that. The audacity. Cut the audacity. The audacity. The audacity. <laughs> okay, that, that time I heard it. Of Hope is a wonderful novel by ex-president Barack Obama. Say, it's, it's not free to play. It's on Apple Arcade, which is a premium subscription ah, service. Mm. Oh, right. right. Mm-hmm. I did see that at the beginning, yeah. Yeah. but I don't. So I'll play it next time I get I upgrade my iPhone and I get that free year-long thing mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. give you. Yeah. yeah. My phone stopped charging with cables, and it's been a nightmare. If anybody knows oh, what yeah. I do. Dear. I'm having uh, one of those, too. Yeah, those are great. Do the, uh, do, it um, probably has the what induction charging where you does. can... Yeah. 
Um, yeah, just try find one of digging those. around in the lightning port with a needle or a thumbtack oh, or something. Of course I've done that. Yeah, yeah. Get, right. get the lint out of there. You know what's in there. It's already been done. Huh. It doesn't work huh. on any, huh. any. yeah. I oh, think okay. it's just busted. Huh. Woo-hoo-hoo, it's all been done. What a shame. As the bare naked ladies would say. <laughs> it's all been done. Went to the AT&T store, they told me to get fucked. Like just that too. It was really weird. Damn, and it was it was like, the AT&T like, girl. Look at you and it's like, "Man, get fucked." Yeah, get fucked. Yeah. What, we can do. <laughs> what is this Washington DC and the Republican Party? Oh, dear <laughs> lord. <laughs> it's going to be a fun show. Uh, I I kind of wanted to take a little easy this week with an easy topic that Matt suggested, which mm. is packing games, but not launch packing games, ones that came out later. And some of them kind of helped define the system and became system sellers. And Mm -hmm. then I found out, like, this is actually much more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Because once you get to, like, the PS2 generation, you start to get all these uh, special edition bundles. And, like, now we're going to package, like, have six different variations of our console, each with, like, branded packaging for the game that's in there. And, like... Where does one draw the line? How does that one really, even define packing at this point? That really got big, I'd say, PS3 era, where, yeah, as as a game marketing team, that, that was almost kind of like, hey, you get your magazine covers. It was like a sign of like, hey, we're a big game because first party wants to do a promotional bundle with us. And, and it became way more common than it, it used to just be like first party saying, well, we need something to sell our system and, and give people a game to play and showcase the features of our system. But what was interesting to me was is, is this mid-cycle packing games, where it's kind of like the, the system is either shipped without a pack-in or a different pack-in, and they swap it mid-cycle to be like, no, this game is now our mascot, our emblematic yes. of the yeah. best of our, what our system has to offer. Yeah, and I think probably... Typically, <laughs> I, th- I think the majority of console releases, you don't get a pack-in game unless the system is struggling somehow or facing stiff competition. That's the only time you end up getting anything packed in with you. Uh, I can't... uh, Other than... Which is ruled out, Astrobot on PS5. I haven't had a system that came with a game... Well, my PS... My Metal Gear PS3, but, you know, that was way after launch. Oh, yeah. Um, Right. Right. Or you had a Destiny PS4, didn't you? I did. I did. But, like, I... But never, like, a, a launch console has... Hasn't hasn't come with anything since I bought a Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe yeah, a, that sounds about right. Yeah, maybe maybe I, PlayStation. Did my game? I don't think my GameCube came with anything. Definitely yeah. didn't. If you got it at launch, there are only three fucking games yeah. to buy. Well, so. yeah. it, it, Smuggler's Run as yeah. the Smuggler's Run GameCube. <laughs> well, it depends on how you define came with anything. Because if I remember right, when GameCube first came out, like GameStop and I think several other places would only sell it to you if you bought three games along with it. Yeah, those don't count. Those, those are retailers. I say, ew, like they're not still bundles. doing that, making me buy like a Nyko headset. Just to try they and get they still Xbox do that. You act like they that's like something of the that. past. Like yeah. That's what they do when new My friend just got out. held hostage and did it just to get so he could get one of the new consoles. Yeah, I, I think yeah, Sears was doing that too, or some third-party seller through Sears that they were like, oh, well, we, uh, we threw in an extra controller and a game and a headset, and that justifies... $300 above sticker price. Yeah, here's the version of Madden that won't be better than the last-gen huh. version, but they have to have it year one. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't find any concrete information on it, but because it, and it may very well have been a local phenomenon, but around the time the Super Nintendo launched, Sam's Club, the wholesale Walton family Costco, 
mm-hmm. had a Genesis bundle that was like extra controller and six games, not all in one package. Just like no, you get Moonwalker, oh, you get him. Sonic. You're getting like it. It was incredible. Every kid couldn't stop talking about it. It, it wasn't that much more expensive. Nice. But, oh, I, yeah. yeah, I thought you were talking about the six pack, which is how no, I got no, my Genesis. No. No, no, because Moonwalker's the one I remember specifically, because, like, you know, that wasn't packed into anything in any Genesis variety that was always sold separately. Mm. But, uh, yeah, packing pack games, and, and, and for some of the people listening, if you were, you know, a kid, odds are you couldn't afford a console at launch and had to wait till birthday or Christmas, and if you had to wait more than a year, a different packing game post-launch might end up kind of defining your experience with that mm-hmm. console. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know for sure there's at least one entry on our list that people probably assume was always the pack-in game, and I'm like, nope, mm, yep, certainly yep. was not. Absolutely. So we will get into these right after this. Hey, everybody, it's me, the raccoon that used to live under Chris's porch until Chris came to me and said, we're moving in a new direction, and that direction is east, far away from you and your piles of rascals and terrible songs. Some of you may not remember me. I used to be Video Game Apocalypse's mascot years and years ago. And while it's been a long time since I've been active, the hosts came to me and said, Hey, we figure a few minutes from you would be more entertaining than dead air this week, so can you maybe do a little shtick and tell people more about the show? So, yeah, here I am to tell you all how to support this group of ingrates that think they can just kick me off the show, ignore my endless texts for years and years, and then bring me back on like nothing's happened. First and foremost, visit their stupid Patreon, patreon.com slash lasertime, where you can sign up to pay actual money for stuff you won't find anywhere else, including shows from these guys going into depth about video games that they, a bunch of losers in their 40s, enjoy playing. Also, you can go onto your podcast app of choice and leave a review. Five-star reviews only, please. You know the drill. Bad things will happen if it's less than that. I'll come to your house and stare at you. You won't see it because it'll be through the nearest window, but you'll know that I was there. Why? Because there will be remnants of something that you don't want to see piled, and you'll think it's a cat. You will think it's a cat. Cats do this, but it's me. It's me and my army of unseen raccoons. But what you can really do to help us is just tell a friend about the show. You've got a friend who likes video games, and they're like, oh man, I wish there were good podcasts to listen to. Guess what, freak? Listen to Vigigame Game Apocalypse. That's what you say. Insult them and end your friendship as long as they hear about us. That's the important thing. Anyway, I'm being chased off with a broom. So see you never, kids. And we're back to talk about what? Pack them up, pack them in. Let me begin to talk about pack-in games. Oh, damn, that's good. Let's begin with... Number five. <laughs> Uh, what game is this? Jet, Jet Set Radio, Radio. I can't remember who was set or grind. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so this this was a weird thing where I want to say like 2002, like a year or so into the Xbox's lifespan, yeah. Xbox, which did not come packaged with the game initially, no, started showing up everywhere with a bundle of Jet Set Radio Future and what other game? Sega GT 2002. Yes, yeah. this other game. What is happening? I know it's a different game, but I'm just waiting for it to go Daytona. (laughs) Yeah, a little on the disappointing side. I just thought this was such a major coup um, for Microsoft that turned out to I don't think meant as much as I thought it was. We thought it was going to. I think. Was the I, the speculation not that like oh Microsoft's definitely buying Sega? 
if you had been listening to the 30 2010 games, which is coming back, by the way, we're just going to, you know, jump in uh, current blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, we were at a period right after the Dreamcast decided to discontinue itself. Uh, Sega got out of the hardware business and it seemingly very carefully spread its games across the three major platforms, Nintendo's GameCube, uh, Sony's PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. In an odd choice, the PS2 got all like the unenhanced ports in, in early on, and um, almost, and Nintendo locked down Sonic exclusively. But Microsoft sent a message like, "Hey, Sega fans, we're going to make a new Panzer Dragoon. We're going to make a new. You get Crazy Taxi Three. It's the only platform it's ever existed on. Yep. And speaking of Sega GT, to a lesser extent, and Jet Set Radio Future." It has never been on another platform. And before Microsoft was gobbling up companies, everybody in my world thought, this is Microsoft. They have to make a play for Sega to like to become unified with their hardware division. They would just become the new Sega. I just they assumed could... at the time that Sega was like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. And like they, they got killed by Sony. So it's like, all right, let's partner with Microsoft now. This is the new Dreamcast. Let's we'll put House of the Dead three on it. We'll put fucking yeah. Otogi on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was kind of a genius move to. Microsoft's always struggled getting a foothold in Japan and with Japanese development, and with kind of one swoop, it had a it had a soothing bomb for gamers <laughs> upset mm. by the death of the Dreamcast. We will carry on these niche franchises that couldn't quite sell a, a Sega platform on our first Xbox, yeah. and and. and it, even more bizarrely, in my opinion, I couldn't really corroborate this. Maybe you can, Michael. Uh, since you know Microsoft did not buy Sega, I'm still shocked to this day they haven't bought Sega. It seems like a good choice, uh, but it's the first third-party game I remember being officially packed into a first-party platform. Everything is usually first-party that they give away. Um, at yeah, least that's a good point. It's, it's because Microsoft didn't have much of a first-party business outside of Halo. Halo, at the time. yeah, yeah, and that that Assault. But that didn't come until Xbox Live came online. Xbox Live yeah. came with more games than the fucking Xbox. Do you remember that? No. Xbox, Xbox. It not only came with a bunch of live demos that worked online out of the box. It came with a. I want it. No, it wasn't the full version of what was it, Capcom's MotoGP. That MotoGP series they published for a while. Uh, it came with Tetris Worlds, the full game, uh, and then just a dickload of demos you could all use online, and it was kind of rad. And it was way m- now we're sort of used to that because we talk about pack-ins. Like, well, what's a pack-in? Technically, all three platforms now, if you're willing to go online and start that whatever subscription price, you have access to like mm. dozens of free games on yeah, every yeah, platform. True. That's a great great and, point. Yeah. yeah, you don't need pack-ins anymore. If you, even if you're just offering a one-month trial of our service or a subscription service, boom, there's your pack-in. Right? Yeah. You get fifty pack-ins day one. Uh, obviously, pretty, pretty nice. Game Pass being pretty high in the lead, but that Sony, that Sony Essentials bundle for PS5, PlayStation Plus users on PS5, it's pretty spectacular. It's just like twenty fucking of the best games on the PS4 for your new PS5. Twenty. The weird part to me is that, so Jet Set Radio, or Jet Grind Radio, if you like the American Dreamcast title, uh, like, it's it's not an overlooked series, necessarily. It is a popular series. It is not a mainstream popular series. Mm-hmm. And even being packed in with the fucking Xbox yeah. did not make it a mainstream hit. 
And to this no. day, it is. It, I don't think it has full backward compatibility on the newer Xbox models. So. I, I think none of, not many of those Sega games do. No. But again, I don't understand the ramifications of backwards compatibility. Is that just so people continue to sell these old games? This mu- this game is loaded with music and voice acting. I'm sure is unclearable mm. in in the modern mm, age. Yeah. So I just don't know. If it's a good candidate for that, I would just love to be able to play it on something that isn't an original Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I, I was yeah. trying to go through YouTube footage because you know my memory of this game is being unbelievably gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. Jet's Grind Radio or Jet Set Radio that's yeah, since been retitled. Jet is, Set Radio Future, yeah, is the is the very bright, story. and this game was like purposefully dark with like uh, mm-hmm. abstract colors and shapes, um, and and with a bigger focus on actually doing things in the open world rather than going in a circle around a, a rail. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's it almost... I think it's quali- it classified as a remake of Jet Set Radio, the first one. Yeah, it's kind of both a sequel and a remake. Like, it's yeah. an expanded remake, but it has basically the same story yeah. and basically the same cop encounters. HQ to all squads. Youths on skates have been sighted in the vicinity of Dogenzaka Hill. All squads investigate immediately. Hey, don't Still skating around, still knocking over cops. As yeah, you do. but they yeah. took away the. It takes away the time limit from the original, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned the open world stuff. There's a lot more activities per level, and they. It's technically not one giant open world, but the levels are linked, so you can at any yeah. time kind of skate between the levels. And, yeah. and so, yeah, it's 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 definitely like almost a 1.5 sequel. It's just like, yeah, we're going to redo this and kind of... Uh, like, it's like Earthbound was to mm-hmm. Mother 1, maybe, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. Sure. It's, it's, a, it's a reimagining. It's, uh, I, I, I know I'm not nostalgic enough for it to call it a super great game, but it is a super memorable game, and you can hear that from the style of music and the... The visuals make it pretty unforgettable, and it's yeah, it's always bizarre to me. This has yeah. never been readdressed in any form. The music is so iconic to this series yeah. that people keep pestering the composer about when he's going to make a new game. Like it's yeah. up to him at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Composers are usually just like contracted to come work on a thing. Like they're not they're not driving yeah. development of like these games. Every every so often Hideki Naganuma on Twitter is just like, please ask this person or this do not ask me. I don't know. I don't work with Seika. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think one of the reasons I do still think this you can consider this a good game. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons it holds up is there's just not much like it. You yeah. know, so it's 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 still so unique that you're like, yeah, I mean it's worth playing just for that yeah. alone. And yeah, well, there's there's some modern gaming sensibilities and stuff you're going to have to kind of get used to. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, God, games well, 20 years ago, this was what the UI was. But this, this is, is, this is, is, is also is. the more modern of the two. Like, I remember at the time yeah. I didn't like Future much because it, to me it felt like a dumbed-down version of what Jet, Jet Grind Radio did. And then I went back like a few years ago and I played more of Jet Set Radio, Jet Grind Radio, and I played Future. And I realized, like, oh, no, the future is, like, so much easier. Like, the yeah. tricks are easier to pull off. The grinds are easier to pull off. You don't have, like, the big elaborate joystick movements when you're painting graffiti. Like, the the parts that actually have aged poorly in Jet Grind Radio are much better in Jet Set Radio Future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, they remastered 
the original Jet Set Radio years ago, and it just mm. shows you like it looks phenomenal and yeah. plays kind of dated. Yeah, and yeah, because- it's very floaty. I, I have it on in my Steam library, and I, I went back and played it a few times, and I'm like, I still love it because the soundtrack and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. There's a lot of stuff you have to overlook. And I just also want to say, Sega GT, <laughs> that was a popular Sega racing series. And that, <laughs> that game... was also there. That, yeah. that, that, yeah. It came with that game, the full game. I don't think it was online yet, but it would be within the Xbox original generation. But it, yeah. it scored like... It's an A-minus game. It scored like eights and nines, yeah. and you're just getting it for free. Yep. I know a lot, not a lot of people like racing sims and i i, I this I, this is not my favorite even sega racing game well it's but, it was wasn't it their answer to gran turismo like it, it's meant it, to it's, be it's more, more rally i think okay if i'm not mistaken i, I mean the, the, i got this double so this was a double disc like mm-hmm. it came in the same pack and i got this aftermarket like someone had clearly sold it back to a game shop and so i got this double pack just used mm-hmm. at a great deal and and let's like yeah cool this is perfect this is I, all i really wanted to play was jet set radio there's future a, there's anyway but store free game i i've been into a couple times the last year or two and it's there's always one copy sitting there i'm like i'm gonna rescue it and then i'm like chris what the fuck are you gonna play this on <laughs> this disc is useless if <laughs> if i remember correctly the way they even did the box because it was a pack-in so you don't need to back a box you're not trying to market that stuff right you're not no one's picking yeah. that up in a game stop it was just the cover art for jet set on one side and then the cover art for for gt on the other side like mm-hmm. just two pieces of cover art on either side of a dvd disc they might have both games might have fit on one DVD huh. at the time. Mm. Like I, I don't even know that there were two discs in the package. It's, it's. I really thought that pack-in was going to swing the console wars. Just this like consolation prize to morning Sega fans. Here's two free games if you invest in the system that's clearly invested in Sega. And I guess I should have been smarter because neither of these franchises were moving the needle that much to nope. begin with. But and, it's, it's a very. You can see on paper why it was a very smart move for Microsoft at the time. They were struggling to mm-hmm. get into Japan, right? Like, they, they could yeah. not sell Xboxes in Japan. So partnering with Japanese publisher makes games that appeal to Japanese audience. You're like, yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. And yet, sales, uh, even of this game, were, were pretty low, even in Japan. Unfortunate, I wish more people bought this game because we would see would have seen more of them. But it, it's so weird because something... So many people talked about it at the time. Like yeah. these games were talked about and beloved, and yet sales weren't there. Well, like, it sort of admitted the cell shaded look, and mm-hmm. and uh, also you have to remember it because it's been a while since this happened as well. That small series of Sega ensemble games, like Beat and Gum, were always there. I think they've been in like Sega All Star series more than they've ever been in a game of their own. That you can mm-hmm. play as them in Sega Tennis and. Uh, Sonic Racing, the, and, and it, their music's there, and I think that's where, where a lot of people end up discovering these characters, because like, up until the re-release of Jet Set Radio, these were impossible to find and play. But yeah, this should fucking come back. I would really love to see that. Not so much you, Sega GT 2002. Yeah. Well, Sega GT 2002 didn't really move the needle, but you know what did? What? Number four. racing? 
can't hear you. The music's too loud. This is Gran Turismo 3. That's Oh, okay. Speculating. Mm-hmm. Aspic. It's a Gran Turismo 3. Like, I... Cards on the table. I have never been a fan of this series, but I know you are, Chris. At least this Yeah, yeah well, especially here. Um, mm-hmm. This... This might have been the high point of Gran Turismo, actually. Yeah, the first two Gran Turismos, like, I, I, I know I can't really bring you back in time, but when you watch those replays of your race, it looked like a movie starring your car and everybody was agog. It, it, nobody could believe the look of Gran Turismo 1 and 2. And then they announce the third one for the now vastly superior, for the best piece of hardware on the market, by gosh. And it's delayed a bunch because, you know, uh, Polygon. Uh, and and I don't know whose bright idea it was, but like, a year, it was about a year, How long after the PS2 launched? Like a year or so? Um, yeah, year. This came out in 2001. Uh, PS2 two? launched in 2000, I think. And uh, the scarcity for PS2s was long over, but the launch period was pretty dry. So finally, this premier AAA first party game is out. And available in a console bundle. It, it's kind of a brilliant move. And from what I remember, it was like either two ninety nine or like three twenty nine. Like getting the game and the console separately would have been more expensive. And mm. so the only thing that breaks my heart is I man, I love my launch. I have kept every console box for every console I've ever bought, mm-hmm. and this is the only one I have that's kind of marred because it's like red and has yeah. Gran Turismo shit all over it that I don't care about. But I mean, this is the last Gran Turismo I did care about. And it made me not care about it. <laughs> Cause holy was this shit. one always called A-Spec? Or yeah. Was it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so A-Spec better. wasn't... Because that, 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 that always, mm. to me, sounded like, oh, is this a, an edition yeah, of the yeah, game? Yeah, Japan had the original. A-Spec was in okay. July 2001. Looking in 30, 2010, didn't receive a price cut until 20 years ago this week. So, uh, yeah, having like... Dude, they're top tier anticipated game being launched as a pack-in like nobody really does that anymore and they kind of should they kind of should yeah well I, i'd say the g the grand turismo series uh, sadly has sort of it, it peaked here yes this is the in a lot of ways one. it's just remaking this game over and over like like there's nothing wrong with the new grand turismo that came out right mm-hmm. it's just it hasn't really <laughs> There's like a cafe where they give you some some quests, but other than that, it's like the same game same as A-Spec, you know, it, no, and it looks way he, better. Th- but. There's nothing wrong with is not a ringing endorsement. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it gets it gets a little better, but like the things people want about it are better visuals, more cars. Mm-hmm. He, that's what the fans want. And how much can it improve and still be Gran Turismo? Mm-hmm. I have yeah. zero interest. In it. I lost I, interest at four. I'm still shocked this, like, watching footage of three, like, how many cars were in there. You could fucking drive a Yaris, of all things, if you wanted to. One might argue that, yeah, five and... uh, The recent Gran Turismo took a step back because Mm. they didn't have as many cars or they started to charge you for the cars. Mm. And uh, But but also, like, watching this in motion, it's like, this is a 21-year-old game, really? Because it it still looks really good. And, like... Thinking of what PS2 graphics looked like, especially at the time, like yeah, this Murky. looked amazing for for the time and the hardware it was running on, and it wasn't in HD, right? It was just yeah. running on yeah, standard just, just an SD. So. And, and then I remember, like, what was it? Gran Turismo Four. One of the big uh, new features was that you could plug a printer into the USB port on your PS2, 
and print out a picture of your car. <laughs> this what well, it's not clever to call it car porn. It's just what it is. Yeah. That's what these games are. Well, it's like one of the first games with a photo mode. With the, yeah. like yeah, you can you can print this out in color and put it on your wall if you want to. By the way, before people criticize me, I'm sorry. Gran Turismo Five did have way more cars than three, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it, seven had had fewer cars than than five. Like the the series peaked. Get this. Here's a quick quiz for you guys. Let's go over under. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gran Turismo Six had the most cars included. Uh, over under, Michael. How many would you say it had? Mm, Three hundred and fifty. Okay, uh, Chris. How many would you say it had? I'm going to go with one, Matt. <laughs> okay. Well, Michael is technically closer. It had 1,247 cars. God damn. <laughs> Fuck. Could but you I, name I see the strategy. Cars? You didn't want to go over. I wasn't playing by those rules, but I, I respect the strategy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just Turismo became, I think, a very unfriendly game to the mainstream audience that originally made it a success. And it has never really done much to embrace that audience. Mm. My God. I, I met a very southern man who was like so upset by the new Gran Turismo like god damn it takes forever to unlock these cars like yeah they uh they 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 sent an apology thing out you can download more credits and they've adjusted a little bit and like dude I ain't got internet where I live I'm like oh no oh no what yeah, I'm not paying for fucking internet. I don't need that. Like, it was a crazy ass. I'd say if you have a PS5 yeah. but don't have internet, he had a, priorities he had a, might he had be a, out of line. He had a four. He had a PS4. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't know seven came to four. Okay, I sure. I hadn't either. Hmm. All right. Still, still, that is a very online system to not yes. have yes. internet. <laughs> well, actually, he can't play that game if he's not online. That guy's full uh, of shit. Maybe for four, he hmm. can. Who knows? No, no. That's it. Got. That guy was lying to you. All right. There, I'll call him a liar to his face. He's not around. But, but he knew that there was a problem, but he didn't know there was a solution, so he's not like reading games. I can't even play this game. It requires online functionality. I'm making him sound way Ding. more southern than he is, but he did shoot me in the ass with a BB gun, so oh, fuck him. Oh, well, that, was, that was unkind of him. I asked him to. Oh. Right. As, long, as long as it's consensual. consensual totally consensual. Ass BBs. Sure. I haven't been shot in the ass with a BB gun in 20 years. Old time mm-hmm. sake, can we pull these down? Yeah. Uh, this is one of those games that's like, it's actually kind of pleasant to listen to just the engine noise. And you know they had to get it right. Maybe not the rep. Jerry was a race car driver. Yeah, so many YouTube clips I was looking at, I was just like, did this not have music during the driving? Was it all about the purity of the engine noise? And Chris is like, no, it had music. Keep looking. They just don't want yeah. to get copyright strike. Well, but so- some people do strip out the music while they're playing. Like, if you're really a Sim fan, you yeah. want to hear what that engine's yeah, doing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but then you I, won't I have... hear the cults. She she sells Sanctuary, just the best driving theme of all time. <laughs> And, and Shelly Priest, sells Sanctuary by the Seashore. That was sanctuary. A, and Judas Priest Turbo Lovin'. Nice. <laughs> sure. Turbo Lover? Turbo Lovin'. I, I forget. No, but th- those car noises, that that's a whole industry, man. Oh, like, yeah. I knew a guy in Texas who were like, yeah, he was an audio guy, and all he did was put microphones strategically around high-end cars. Like, yeah, I got to go record a Lambo today or whatever, you know, for these types oh, of racing games. Like, man, this, this made me hate the game series. 
because it took so much to unlock cars, and there wasn't mm-hmm. really a ton of track variety. And one of the things that Gran Turismo is constantly getting better with is its rubber banding uh, AI. And it was pretty notoriously bad. Like, I think in this, there's a certain levels in this game that, like, you, the only way you can win is by ensuring the car goes off the track, because otherwise they will run right up on you. And uh, I just remember I had this shitty fucking yellow Integra, and it just kept kicking the shit. I, everything I unlocked, I couldn't bring it up to the performance of that thing. And if you think weapon degradation is bad, <laughs> imagine having to retune your car to get Ooh. peak performance out of it so you can win one more monotonous race. Mm. I, t- I, I, got, I simultaneously had the best Gran Turismo experience with A-Spec and got my fill of the series for the rest of my life. I, do, I, I don't need any more of it. I thought you were going to talk about tire degradation, which mm. is like, oh God. this is the only game I've ever turned yeah. that on and quickly realized this is not for me. I'm yeah. not going to do that. Especially those endurance races. They're like, hey, we have races that take actual four hours to complete. Like, mm-hmm. no, You're not no. that much of a grunyard, Matt. No, man. <laughs> I don't need to chase that Chivo. Yeah. Sorry, I'm good. No. Or trophy, I should say. Yeah. Trophies. Uh, well, let's move along to... Number three. What is it? Nice time. Nice time. Uh, mystery guest, what game is this? Mario Kart. This might have that? the best game music of all time. This this, yeah. this music is so good in this game. It, okay, can I just tell you that is one of the weirdest things I think about this game. So yes, Mario Kart 8. This is the best-selling game on Switch. Probably on Wii U. Probably on Wii U. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it, that's why fact, I included it. Because not only is it great, it's been a packing on two consecutive Nintendo systems. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, I... I almost wish, because what they've done with it now, especially with the DLC levels, like, it's weird that it's Mario Kart 8. They should just call it, like, Mario Kart Ultimate or Mario Kart Forever or something like that. But it has this weird 8. You're like, I I, I thought about that, too. But then, like, it's totally, sports fans totally understand a numeric coming after their version of the game. And game nerds who love Mario know this is the 8th Mario Kart. Mm Mm-hmm. We're all pretty This must up. have been released, what, 2015 or 16 originally? 2014, I think. This is like one of the oh first things gosh. I started streaming. Um, wow. And, and yeah, we had a week-long Mario Karty. And uh, yeah, this this came out on uh, Wii U. And I think it's the game I played the most. And I don't really know how that was because there's not technically a lot to do in a Mario Kart game by yourself. Yeah, it was but- 2014, confirming but the uh, the online was uh, pretty fantastic, and I, I suggested this, even though I'm pretty sure Michael's already going to put it here. I don't know what Walmart's deal is with Wii U games. Like, we're not ever taking these off the shelves until they sell at retail price. <laughs> but, like, I at multiple Walmarts, you still see a Wii U Mario Kart pack-in console with the Switch and the Mario... And it's, it's just not that... It, the price isn't reduced. Like, how much would, should you be paying for a Wii U with Mario Kart 8? Well, surprisingly, like, I think I looked online and someone was trying to sell one on Amazon for, like, 259 something. It was it was something that was like, I feel like this is more than this is worth right now. Yeah. 
But you I know, it's since, think, since 2020, like you know, vintage video game shit has yeah. kind of gone through the roof. Like it's even the collector phenomenon. You, and you could not give away Wii U's a few years ago, and now it's just like, oh man, gotta gotta track this down. So many great Nintendo games that are also on Switch. But I think our generation now has been trained like. Actually, the Wii U is the kind of thing you should grab because mm-hmm. it wasn't popular. Yeah. That you're like, okay, yeah, that might actually have value. It, in, it in will actually be rare. Yeah. And uh, sort of. But this game will not because this game has sold a bajillion copies across yeah, systems. As, <laughs> like, as it should. As, like, I think I've said this a billion times on this show, but I don't, I'm not dying for another Mario Kart because I don't know what else they could do. Yeah. This, yeah, this is such a good game and has so much to do and so many characters from outside of just the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, I'm not sure what gimmick you could introduce to the game to justify anything more than new tracks, which they're giving us. This is a good game, but I I think this game might have kicked off a trend that I'm really disliking with hmm. a lot of Nintendo sports titles, and we'll talk cool. about Switch sports in the new releases segment. It's a, it's it's I, this game is not bare bones. Don't get me wrong, because they included all the DLC and stuff like that, right? But there's nothing like Chris was saying for a single player experience. You're not like unlocking anything. It's kind of like yeah. what you see is what you get from the beginning of this game, and like all of the Nintendo Switch sports titles have been that way, where you're just like, what am I, what am I doing here? Like there's there's nothing. There's no goal I'm working Trying to toward. Dry it's, bones. but it's it's like and i'm not you know it sounds weird to say but i'm sort of advocating for like just gating stuff behind progress and experience in the game because like otherwise yeah when it's all there for me up front i'm just like i i guess for multiplayer gaming sure yes that's what it's for it's for local i did i did play a ton of multiplayer for mario kart and it yeah but like for as, as a single player experience these games they're, they're kind of lacking, you know? There's nothing really, yeah. uh, no pun intended, nothing driving well, it's, me to It's kind of like the last couple Smashes that way. It's like, this is great mm-hmm. if I was at all interested in playing Smash multiplayer, but there's like there's yeah. no story mode. It's just meh. And unfortunately, Nintendo is being rewarded for this because these are the, the Smash and then this, these are the top sellers of all time for them. So it's like, I well, guess we I'm wrong. That was that, that World of Light or whatever it was called with the last Smash, but it never really Sure. Had. But it wasn't as robust as like the Wii, the, the, which which yes. version of Smash was on the Wii. Yeah. Space, you know, Subspace, right? Emissary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was yes. the high point. But to me yeah, as well. But I mean, well. Matt probably knows about this more than Michael and I do. Like, I'm just shocked that like Mario Kart is for kids may supersede Mario, any other Mario game, like it is, there is a. Ba- yeah. If you go into like a Target, it is like half and half Mario merchandise and Mario Kart merchandise. It is, yeah. It technically has outsold Mario yeah. games. I think on the last three platforms Nintendo has released Mario. So Kart. let me give you, let me give you some evidence backing up your theory. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, there's a reason Nintendo put all of their characters in this last Mario Kart because it is a lot of kids' first exposure to Nintendo characters mm-hmm. at this point. There's a reason Mickey Mouse and Friends had a kart racing cartoon on the air for a while. Like right. I, I would have to believe that was inspired by the Mario Kart phenomenon. So it's like, yeah, it's it, it is such an easy game, and especially with eight, like they have mm. the auto steer, they have the auto acceleration. Mm. It, it's you can hand this game to a two or three year old. I think I, I think that's when one you know one of my kids was three when they first started playing. It's like. And it, it plays itself, and but they think they're playing it, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it is very kid-friendly, and it's a way more friendly kid experience than any of the Mario platformers. Yeah. Like, they, it's very easy to understand. Like, yeah, mm. I move 
through a controller. It's my steering wheel, and I got a gas pedal. That's it. Yeah, That's fucking it. Nintendo is programmed in that fuckery. If you're in eighth place, you'll get the coolest power-ups to... Right, zip, and, zip and, and then, yeah, up. they get the bullet bill power up, and it's not like my fucking kids are throwing up fucking blue sparks. They don't give a shit about like any of that stuff with the <laughs> but, game. But it know? says something that, like, yeah, for a packing yeah. game, you you get the better success if you go for something very mainstream friendly, something that like you know is extremely approachable. Anyone yeah. can pick this up and have yeah. fun with it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, as opposed to something like you know a Zelda game, for example, which is. Still that, v- has very broad mainstream appeal, but not quite the same way. I, yeah. Dude, that is, that's such a great point, Michael, and I hadn't thought of it till you just said it, but the key to a pack-in game is it has to have the widest target audience. As, mm-hmm. as a dude, this is my life. This is what I do for a career. It's like, yeah, that pack-in has to have the broadest appeal mm-hmm. because, yeah, you're, you, you have to entice every audience to buy your platform and then from there once they're in the door it's like yeah "Yeah, sure if you're if you're into you know single player rpg experience whatever we got that for you here but like the thing that might make might sell the the unit for them that might sell that console is like yeah that's that's got to appeal to the moms and dads buying for their kids that's got to appeal to the hardcores that's got to appeal to the fucking cat you know people who barely ever play video games just with their friends core gamers like us tend to bemoan some of those choices but like history has shown it was inarguably the best decision to pack in tetris yep. with the game yes. boy instead of yes. super mario land we sports we sports whenever whenever anyone bet. questions what nintendo does i just say you're the wrong audience for the, you're your core your core player at this point and they they have they have not cared about they you know you're buying the console decades. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't it they'll, doesn't they'll have matter. things for you just not included yeah yeah, yeah they yeah. they know you can afford extra so mm-hmm. yeah yeah but but yeah. It, it is I almost wish I would have waited to get my Switch to just get that Mario Kart Deluxe bundle because that is really one of the best things Nintendo has done in the last ten years. I, I think sort it doesn't know Nintendo doesn't know what it's fucking doing with DLC. That's in sometimes oh great characters what a surprise but it's like and we'll be releasing one pack per eight months for the next three and a half oh, years. Like thanks, it's Nintendo. weird too. <laughs> like when you go in that game. The, the Grand Prix are there, the future Grand Prix, and you go to select them and they're like, please check back in uh, April of 2023 to be able to play this <laughs> thing. And it says that in the game. It'll, the game will have been out almost 10 years. Wow. It's it's wild, but it, I, I was trying to remember, like, because uh, I have the 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 the, fan, the, the online mm-hmm. you know family pass or whatever, so it's like I got, I got those tracks for free, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. or with my subscription. Do you have to pay for all those additional Mario Kart tracks if you don't have the Nintendo Online subscription? Th- yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's like it's, 20 bucks or something like that? It's like or 20 or 30 bucks. bucks. It's like 60 tracks. 48 tracks? It's, it's a lot. It's and a it, lot. And it's classic tracks. It's, mm-hmm. it's like... They did, so the recent Mario Party title, right? Which was like, hey, this is the greatest hits of Mario Party. We're going to sell this to you for $60. They gave us that for Mario Kart for $25 DLC. Like, that's still a pretty good deal, no matter how you slice it. That's what's great about 8, is that at the time it came out, and even sort of now, it's one of the most visually impressive first-party Nintendo games ever. You know, it's working with cutesy-wootsy, polite textures and colors kind of thing, but it's just wonderful to look upon. And you get these bitchin' new tracks, like uh, Mount Wario. Um, Oh, man. And then they bring back all these classic tracks from, like, fucking Game Boy Advance games and remaster them in a 1080p, 60 frames a second. It's just like, 
What a glorious treat if you've liked this series for a long yeah. time. It is they, they don't have all the tricks the eight the native eight tracks have, like in terms of like, oh, you can't go upside down and bullshit like that. But it's like they look yeah. really good. They this, look this great. This looks how, like how your memory remembers it. Yeah. Yeah. It um, also yeah. sounds amazing. You guys pointed out the music, but like, you know, going back through the footage, it's like, oh, that's right. I love the music in Moo Moo Meadows. <laughs> All that sucks ass compared to like the the only racing content F Zero has had in like twenty years is some tracks in Mario Kart Eight, and mm-hmm. there's even a YouTube video of a band playing the 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 music is newly orchestrated with like a band and brass instruments. Uh, like I think it's Big Blue. It is phenomenal. It is a great, great track, and it is all being played by like master musicians. It is absolutely wonderful, and just another treat. Actually, yeah, we stand corrected. That is what Nintendo has for you, core fans. Yeah. Is like those references yeah. to F Zero in Smash in this game. That's mm-hmm. sort of what they got for you because yeah. that's the only place. Those are the only people who are going to understand those references. There's like a, I barely understand the F Zero references. There's you know? an Excite Bite track, and um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it, actually, as far as, like, classical art representation goes. But we finally have characters from outside the Mushroom Kingdom, even though they are safe, few and safe Nintendo choices. Right, I want to play a little bit of this big blue thing since you talked it up so much. Okay, yeah. Does it pick up? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Skip ahead a bit. That picks up? Oh, there we go. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. All right. What's that cool. fucking guitar, man? That's a fucking Super Nintendo What's song. the guitar? Listen to that fucking saxophone. Yes, it's amazing. It's astonishing. That's pretty badass. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm convinced. I was in I, my in my head canon, that's the dude from Lost Boys playing that saxophone <laughs> solo. Oiled up, fucking jacked. Mario Kart 8, if you don't have it, I don't know. I, I think didn't I argue for it for like the best game of all time? Uh, if you I believe I did. If you don't have it, I don't know that you live on the planet Earth because I feel like they sold yeah. more copies of Mario Kart 8 yeah. than the population of the like, Earth. Like if it's, you, it's, if it's you don't have it, you probably don't have a Switch or a Wii U. And again, I'll, I'll never tell you to do this in any other respect, but uh, you know, if you're out and about and you're vaccinated, take a look at some little kids. Uh, <laughs> and uh, notice that like, if they have a Nintendo character on them, there's like a 40% chance they're sitting in a cart. Like Mario Kart is so huge yeah. with kids. That it's become almost a brand unto itself. I fucking loved yeah. go-karts when Absolutely. I was a kid, man. Mm-hmm. I always wanted a go-kart. And yet, I don't think that the uh, remote-controlled ones sold particularly well. Oh, home the go- No, they did not. And no the go-kart had. track near my house that I would go to, Chris, this one's just for you, Bullwinkles. Bullwinkles, Bullwinkles had the best fucking go-kart track in the Inland Empire. Did you have the animatronic Bullwinkle? Of course we did. Happy birthday, man. <laughs> Here's a free blue shell. <laughs> it had Boris and Natasha and everyone. They were all there. All right. Well, let's move along to... Number two. Maybe not as splashy, but it's still important. Yeah. 
look, takes you back, doesn't it? Green Hill. I Zone. mean, there's not many games I I know the theme by heart outside of Mario games, but Green Hill Zone theme, absolutely. Yeah. I'm shocked that this is our number two, Michael. How is this not our number you one? Should, I mean, people out there should also thank us because in order to listen to that song, it'll cost you extra in Sonic Origins. It'll, it's, <laughs> it's literally unlockable. DLC. But, but you kidding. can hear that uh, ring sound effect at any gas station. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> the cash register. You guys keep saying that. I've yet to encounter that in the wild. Uh, I think it's but a I certain shame, you. and I, I, I keep mm. meaning to try and remember which one. I, mean, I hear th- it sometimes. There's a 76 near where I live that has that. Mm. I, def- okay. I definitely remember hearing. I've heard it a lot. So much that I don't even... Yeah, but I don't even uh, react anymore. But but, but Sanic, Sanic mm. was... Man, this was like super overdramatized in that Game Over book and series, right? Like, uh, we got it. I will lay down my life to get Sonic as a packin. What yeah. about this Alter is, Beast? This is the Fuck one Alter Beast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing that like when when Genesis first came out, like Sonic is so tied in people's heads to the yep. Genesis or the Mega Drive if you're European and Japanese that it's very easy to forget that when it came out in '89, this was the packin game. Rise from your grave. <laughs> Why from your grave? Melwins is what brings us together today. Why that was such a good game of the time. Well, it, I, dude, I, I think at the time was, it was great. That was and the I, Genesis this is... switching gears because, like, it, w- Genesis was sort of like, dude, we make great arcade games and we can bring you damn right. near arcade perfect games on your Genesis. And I'm like... I don't go to arcades anymore because Street Fighter's not out. Uh, that was the original pitch of the Genesis. It's, it's these are arcade perfect ports, so of course they launched with an arcade port of mm-hmm. of, yeah. of Altered Beast, you know. And then they got things like Golden Axe, which is a damn good mm-hmm. arcade port. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, eventually they they pivoted, and this is the one I was talking about. When people think most people, if you're younger, probably assume Sonic was always the packing game. It's like, no, Sonic came out after the Genesis in the yeah, sense, like well after the Genesis. In the and States. Alex Kidd was actually Sega's mascot before Sonic happened. Oh, yeah, we did a Laser Time episodes about um, forgotten mascots, and Sega right. had like two right. really sad ones before before Sonic. Yeah. And, uh, but, but yep. uh, I think that the, the, not the controversy, I'm, I'm losing my words here, but the, the they basically decided to forego the money they'd make on this game, sure to sell a million copies, and instead use it to move its consoles in a way that, I, if you read those stories, was a huge gamble. And like a Sega mm-hmm. Japan, I think was super against it. Like, how dare we put all our? We're betting on this game to be our bestseller ever. How could we give this away? And turns out, it's probably the smartest decision they ever made. Are you thinking of console wars yes, instead of game over? That's what I'm thinking of. Yes, yes, because that that's the one where yeah, what, where you learned. I think a lot of people assume Sonic is this giant franchise in Japan, and actually, Sonic has always performed well in the West, in in the States, in Europe, yeah. because it was it was designed for our audience. Yeah, he's, was, he's got that '90s tune, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, bro. Love my yeah, Sonic. So yeah, but it, it's a. I man, uh, yeah. So, so this was this was one of the first Genesis games I bought standalone because I already had a Genesis, and I'm like, I played the Not fuck me. out of Sonic the Hedgehog, man. I think I this love. is the second one on the list that I this is when I purchased, and it was like truly undeniable. Like it came with Altered Beast, a game you know at the time we thought was great. Now we know better. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> game's great. Shut up. That game's great. <laughs> yeah. um, and 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 then just to come with 
Sonic, like the whole world was talking about Sonic, I think because like it came with the fucking Genesis. It was the same thing that happened with Mario. Uh, right. Like four four years earlier. Yeah, we'll get into make, that. Making him a household name by adding him to everybody's households by default. And yeah, that it's it's shocking to think that like, uh, that's the only time Sega ever did that. Yeah. <laughs> Sega never the, packed in a Sonic game ever again. Yeah, the, the, I launch. That move of packing mm-hmm. in Sonic arguably swung the console war in yeah. Sega's favor. Yeah. Like for the only time. The only time. Um, uh, yeah, and and like I was also going to say, like this was kind of followed up with what might be an even better pack-in game, but it also included Sonic. It was the six-pack that mm-hmm. also had like Golden Axe and Columns, and I want to say Vector Man. I, I don't remember, but it was like an essential uh, Hang On thing in Shinobi. like everything, everything in one cartridge. And that's actually kind of impressive that they were able to fit Sonic and these five other games on one cartridge because. Do you guys know what purportedly took up about one eighth of the memory on Sonic's cartridge? Sega. Sega. There it is. There it is. Wonderful. Yeah, that but, was. Michael, I, that I was, have a better quality version of that, like uncompressed. Yeah. The the Sega thing. Let me send that. I mean, I, okay. I'm I've got it. I've, I think we're good. I, I think I think they get this the one's point. really special. I really hope this is the GameCube shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the <laughs> thumbnail right there. Well, then just <laughs> click it, Michael. <laughs> Matt doesn't know. Penis. <laughs> All right. All right. But yeah, I, I, I always sort of assume, I'm like, man, that that probably does take up a lot of memory. Yeah. It, like, these are the days where you have, like, a, you know, a Wada on the Nintendo side coming in to, like, literally shave kilobytes out of games mm-hmm. to make production and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that, that, that sample, that horribly compressed sample is <laughs> probably taking up a ton of the memory on that shit. I that was one of my favorite parts though Sonic Mania they brought Mm. that back you know because when when you load up a Sega game now it just goes the ding you know there's like the little tone it does uh, on Yakuza games Mm -hmm. I want I want the the, I want harmonies baby bring me harmonies you ever remember something and then you're like wait no that can't be right and you dismiss it like where did I pull that information from and then you look it up and you find out like oh no I was right actually that like Sonic was the first game to feature that soundbite Mm. Yes, Michael. I we host podcasts. Yes, yes, we know exactly how that feeling. <laughs> is. That's our life every Wednesday, bro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, but no, I um I I I love the shit out of the Sonic one. I really do. I I think it's I to me this would be my number one on the list, which makes me really curious what your number one is because yeah. this well, defined I, the genesis for well, so many people. This is why it's surprising to me. We talk about. Uh, characters who eventually became company mascots. The fact that there was never a Crash Bandicoot package with the PlayStation yeah. console is shocking. I think uh, maybe it was one of those like short-lived promo bundles, but like you would have thought, given the PlayStation One commercials in, of the time, yeah. that that was a bundle. You would have thought they would have locked them down, but Sony seemed to get bored with its franchises. Nope. You know, mm-hmm. after like two or three, and and and, and I do. I just was going to point out. The prices of retro games have skyrocketed, but not the copy of Sonic with the not for resale emblazoned across it sure. <laughs> that yeah. comes on this pack-in game, which is in every retro store. You have, there's plenty of them mm. because there were just that many. Remind. So I never had the six pack. So I have a question for you guys. Remember, I mean, back then we're literally talking. If you put more silicone in a fucking plastic cartridge, you can get more shit on your game. The EA games were those that like really tall Genesis yeah. yep, packs. Yep. 
Was the six pack? Was it a tall one? Because it had to nope, have more nope. fucking chips in it. Wow. No, it just it came out in like ninety five. So well, I imagine I, that the higher capacity chips were probably cheaper. By I actually, point. if if we're, we're going to give it a bonus entry, I believe it was a pack in with my Nomad. Oh wow! Well, th- it was like the reason that I got a Genesis, and I know I've told this story, and I probably told it to you guys several times. Tell me but again. That uh, a friend of mine, we we were at Toys R Us. And he's like, "Ooh, they've got the six pack. I'm gonna get that." And it was like marked down to fifteen bucks, like fourteen ninety nine for this cartridge. That's amazing. And so he he you know took the 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 slip up there, paid for it, went over to the counter, and they brought out a fucking Genesis with the game packed in and Shut handed up. it to him. No, fifteen bucks. That's and I amazing. was I was incredulous. It's like they must have made a mistake. And then the more I thought about, it, it's like, man, I've always wanted a Genesis. I'm gonna try this. I went back the next day, tried it, same thing. They brought out a Genesis what? with the fucking game packed in, and that's, that, that's how I got... I think That's it was like what a, it would feel like to be a king. Yeah. You know what it's like to be royalty, it's, Michael. That's it was like a Genesis I 3, I want to say. So like, and then years later in the mall, that yeah. same unit was sold. It had a USB connection to your TV, you're, and fucking you're you got 100 like, games for $15. This is like 95, so like... You know, they're, they're clearing out space for the 32X or mm-hmm. something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. I had an N64 by this point. So it was like mm. 96, 97. But like, this That's is a... actually what kicked me into like full on bargain hunter mode. And like, yeah, this is around right, the yeah. same time that like the Saturn got marked down and the Virtual Boy got marked down. It's like, oh, of yeah. course I'm getting this Th- shit. That's the kind of shit you would hear about like super potato in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just went in there and got this shit for, like, 20 bucks, and then everyone found that out, and then it was... That became 200 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys remember the feature of the Genesis that Sonic sort of, sort of sold? It was a real deal, but it sounded like one of those made-up marketing features. Like, what was Sonic promising? Blast that processing. Hell yeah, dude. Which was, was sort of a real thing. Like, they clocked the CPU at, like, twice the speed of the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. CPU. And yes, that's how but they, they couldn't say that, so instead they called it blast processing which technically isn't a thing but they were boasting about its cpu and maybe something nintendo couldn't do however i saw plenty of game characters move as fast if not faster than sonic on a super nintendo well snes had that mode 7 and i was all about that mode yeah. 7 man you do you take those sprites and you just twist them and all of a sudden i'm just like i still go nuts when i see mode 7 shit yeah, in SNES right. games. fucking bowser exploding at the end of super mario world oh Ooh. my god but here's the thing, while, while packing Sonic in completely changed Sega's fortunes and turned things around for the Genesis in the 16-bit era, this next one might have saved video games as we know it. Wing Commander. Yes, Wing Commander. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was hinting at this because, like, there are original non-pack-in versions of pre-pack-in versions of this game out there, but the mm-hmm. most widespread and ubiquitous is the one that came with every fucking system. Yeah, and like the it would it would vary depending on which system you got. I think for me and probably a lot of other kids, I I went with the action set. Which mm-hmm. was like it's it's like the step up from the basic model. It has the zapper light gun. I didn't it, know there was anything else. That, yeah. Two controllers, oh. which is mm-hmm. speaking of things they don't do anymore. Unthinkable now. Like yeah. even the basic I, yeah. one had two controllers. Like yeah. that would have like. Can you imagine just putting that out with one controller? How are you going to play with a friend? Come on. Yeah. 
there, yeah, there was the basic one with like just Super Mario Brothers. There was the action set that had a cartridge that had combined Super Mario Brothers and this game. Well, they had to. They had to come with a zapper then. Yeah. Yes. Stand so back that, from the screen, please. Yeah, Duck Hunt and Duck uh, Hunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally, a bit later on, there was the power set, which came with the power pad, which was this big flexible mat that you'd roll out onto the floor, and you were supposed to run on it with these giant buttons. But instead, everybody just hammered on it with their fists, and it came with world class track meat. And then, but then I had the apparently the rich kid yes. bundle is what you're telling me. Michael? Well, no, here's here's the thing. Yeah, the, some... You you had the limited edition bundle that was only available for like the first year or two. General Yes, that had yeah. this. This was the original platformer that came packed with the NES, which, to its credit, had some pretty good music at least. So Gyromite was a little Donkey Kong Jr. style game where you're playing as a bald-headed scientist who is assisted by a robot in real life that moved. Uh, what did it do exactly, Matt? I never had one. It was, it, was, it, it operated based off of like infrared light. Mm-hmm. So Rob, the mm-hmm. robot, actually like in its little eyes, and it looked a little bit like Johnny Five, but its eyes were like cameras that were basically recognizing like flashes on the screen that were telling the robot like directions to move and when to open or close its arms. And so for things like gyromite, like it, it would, it had this, it had a fucking like motor in it that would spin up these actual like tops, like mm-hmm. the gyros to super fast speed. So they could, they could stay, you know, like uh, inception, like fucking the, the top can Sounds stay spinning. And, and it would like put, no, it wasn't there. <laughs> you could get rug burn from that shit. Mm-hmm. And it would like put it on these buttons that would then like open doors in, in the games. Like, like, like Jeremiah, I didn't have stack up. I don't think, um, but like, yes. and now we talked the, the about the secret Rob's to that was library. it sounded really cool, but no one ever played it that way because you realized it's so much faster for me to taste my place, my finger on the button to open that door. So I can get by like, fuck Rob. He's too yeah. slow. But Rob was really just there to get that system in the door anyway, so yeah. that it could be classified as a toy and not it a looks game really cool. console. Well, also, because like home robots, for whatever reason, were like a huge fad yeah. in the early Rocky eighties. Rocky three had the home yeah. robot. Four, four. But, okay, yeah. But I'm talking about like the robot that would kind of spin around randomly and like could spit smoke. Did you have one of those? No, no. Uh, I had something remote, con- like a remote controlled T Rex. I think that's about as close as I got. Yeah, robots were huge, and just and it, I love. I get very nostalgic when I see the ads for when they have Rob as the centerpiece. This is mm. not an Atari because there's a fucking robot staring at you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, this this it felt futuristic, and they they modeled it to look like a VCR. So it was like this was shortly after the video game crash of '83. And, like, to the point where, like, investors and stores were not interested in carrying video games anymore. Like, things are doing okay, like, on personal computers, on Apple II, but, like, Atari was dead. They could not give that shit away. Nobody was interested in another game console. And television was dead for the first time. Yep, yep. And and (laughs) (laughs) television or in television? In television. 
but That's so Nint- Nintendo had this great idea of like let's trick people <laughs> into buying this by saying it's not a video game, it's an entertainment system. It has a robot and a gun and it looks like a VCR. It's so sophisticated <laughs> and futuristic and people fell for it and it was amazing. It, I think it also had the uh, added problem that we wouldn't find out until year la- years later. We're not a video game system. We're an uh, entertainment thing for children. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the days, kids, there were these things called toy stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, they were gendered by aisle. And Nintendo had to make a choice. What aisle do we go to? Well, obviously, we're in the boy section. Mm-hmm. It's mostly only Americans who had any association that games were for just boys because hmm. we grew up with them gendered in the toy department. Um, whereas like Japan and Eng- even England us, didn't have that. My Toys R Us just kind of had video games in their own aisle. And I don't, I don't recall what the next aisle over was, but it never felt gendered to me because of that. It was just its own thing. It's like, here's it, it the, was, it was kind Nintendo of its own aisle. thing, but you remember that that's how it was structured. Like the ponies and the, dolls like the pink mm. stuff was on one side of the store oh and, until its demise yeah and, 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 and away from the video games yeah. and, mm-hmm. and and just think but you have also have to think at this time we're talking about like kb and all these other toys non-existent toy stores they were even more gendered i guess you're right if i think the next aisle over if mm-hmm. memory serves was like rc cars yeah maybe and, bikes. and rc trucks oh, that yeah. was very Every, everywhere i went know. it was they were either behind the counter because they're drugs because it's mm-hmm. the 80s um, oh yeah or they were like over with the videotapes. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Michael. These were s- slips of paper that were on a wall. Like mm-hmm. that was the Nintendo aisle. Yeah, yes, us, they, yeah, they were behind sure. the counter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's 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 such. I never because I never thought of that. But yeah, they did. They did try to gender video yeah, games. It's, it's, yeah. It had to be class. Nintendo didn't want it seen as. It didn't want to be mistaken for Atari. So it had to yeah. be, look like a VCR and be marketed as a toy. Yeah. Hence Rob. For- and, and Rob and Gyromite only got it so far. And like, so, but then they had this big arcade hit. People tend to forget Super Mario Brothers yeah. was in arcades. Mm-hmm. And it got an, a home conversion that was arcade perfect. And everybody loved this game. And yeah, Super Mario Brothers became synonymous with Nintendo. Like, everyone who got a Nintendo got Super Mario Brothers. Everyone knew this music. Yep. Everyone knew this game. Every every kid at school was talking about it mm-hmm. for years. Did you guys see the arcade version before the home no. version? Or, or I did, no, me, yeah. me neither. The no. first time I saw Mario in arcades was that Nintendo... What was that called? The, the arcade machine, machine that could... The versus, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, that could swap play between choice. Nintendo games. Yeah, no, yeah, play I, choice, I remember play playing choice. it at, like, a Chuck E. Cheese. That they had, they had wow. the Super Mario arcade. It, it might have the worst arcade marquee art of all time. It's, like, the only thing of Mario I wouldn't be comfortable, like, hanging in my house. Its marquee mm. art is fucking terrible. Yeah, he's got his dick out, and it's just weird. <laughs> With Play Choice, it just always felt like a ripoff. It's like we have, we literally have Nintendo at home, son. We don't need to play Play Choice mm-hmm. in the arcade. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's the, yeah although this, that was the only way to play the original Goonies game in the U.S., mm-hmm. so it was it well, was Japan only, but it was in the Play Choice arcades. Especially if you had, if your mall had a world of Nintendo that let you play free demos of Nintendo games all day as long as you wanted or whatever. Mm-hmm. I really did not need to play pay quarters to play play yeah. choice. Well, I remember like asking to play Altered Beast at like one 
one of those things. And the guy was just like, okay, but it's not an arcade. It's like, yeah, an arcade would, co- would charge me money. <laughs> and just, but just my my personal odd placement in time, I, I kind of come along, you know, come to life when I'm two and there's already like kind of the video game crash and like none of my friends had video game consoles um, mm-hmm. when I was super young. Maybe they were too young to have them. I can't really tell. But this is back at the time when I... I wasn't going to arcades and I associated, but I love video games, but I thought like Pizza Hut made them because that was the only place I could play <laughs> yeah, them. In the kitchen. They made <laughs> yeah, them yes. for the pizza. And you could only play them at cocktail tables mm-hmm. while you get stringy cheese oh, pizza. hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, that, that's where I played video games was like pizza places for the most part, not arcades. And Mario came out in 85. I never saw it till 88. And it's like, you're just uncool, Chris. I hear you. I say that to myself all the time. However, I was like fully into like Ninja Turtles and fucking everything else. Uh, like I, I don't remember the the NES becoming like super huge until '88 uh, in, in in my world. And before that point, not every young boy was playing video games. It was like almost no one. Like I think I associated Atari with like everyone's older brother. And uh Nintendo and Mar- via Mario inter- not introduced introduced people to an entire medium <laughs> in of my generation. I I just remember the people I still talk to. I remember the eighth the eighth, eighth birthday party I remember seeing it at. Uh and, and nobody could walk away from Mario. It was fucking nuts. I'm trying to pin down cuz you know We've talked about this on the show before. Like, I could have sworn I got my NES with Rob and everything mm-hmm. in '86. And Chris, you were could saying be. that well, that's way early for back then. No, no, like, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. It, it, the NES, that definitely came out. It was soft launched uh, around '85, I think. And uh, it yes. just didn't come packed in with Mario. So you, you're you're correct. It's just that like. I was a kid. I was too early to be ostracized. Nobody was talking about Mario for like until like 87, 88. So there's like two or three years here where Nintendo's Nintendo for my parents' generation is what they called video games. That's how they were introduced to they what still video call games them were. That. Yes. Are you playing your Nintendo? This was not video games were sort of dead until I was like eight years old. And are you winning, son? <laughs> are you winning, son? Is that how you say it in your head? I always wondered yeah. uh, how other are people say winning, it. Son? I, might, I might actually <laughs> be wrong, because I'm looking at it and like, oh, no, Versus Super Mario Brothers was actually released in 86, like a year after it came out for the NES. Mm. You mean the, the uh, arcade machine? Well, that's what's yeah. funny, Chris. You talk about the arcade art, and I looked it up real quick, and there's there's two that come up. One is like... Nice hand-drawn Mario art on the side, and the other is just straight up the NES box on the side of this cabinet. Yeah. I'm like, that's awful. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, one is like airbrushed and awful, and the colors are all wrong, and it sucks, and proportions everything. But it's it's a baby blue cabinet, which you gotta love. Yeah. Oh no, I love the Nintendo cabinets. I but, mean, yeah, I, I I guess it was '88 that the Mario Duck Hunt cartridge came out. So your your timeline is right, Chris, and that's also when I got it. I didn't get it till '88. Yeah, '88 is when it becomes a fucking phenomenon. Mm. And then like, and right after that, it's followed up by Mario Two. So like, that's when the real madness yep. begins. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Mario wasn't always initially included in the Nintendo, and I think I think right. until he was, it wasn't a success. 
Not and, on the, not on the same level. Yeah, it was certainly way more niche. Like I mean, I definitely remember spending days playing things like fucking kung fu mm-hmm. and Nintendo games. I've talked about this in the show before. Early Nintendo games are very arcadey in nature in that they're very repetitive. There's yes. almost no completion state, and mm-hmm. like Mario sort of shepherded a lot of that in. Is like. The concept of beating or finishing a game, thats that, it wasn't really a wasn't thing. really possible. Would, they were endless. They were I mean, endless I th- I games just, that you played for the score. Because Nintendo's impetus to enter the console market when consoles were nearly dying is because they were pissy over the ports of their games. Like, we want to make... We want to make a system that can play arcade-perfect 1981 Donkey Kong. And if you look at that launch lineup, it's all... Video games from 1984, so you really see this kind of amazing evolution on the NES because the launch games were from much, much earlier than the year they were released. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah. And if I look back at like my Atari 2600 games, like yeah, they didn't really have end states either. It was yeah. if they did, they looped. Yeah. You know, it was like okay, I, I finish it and now I can just start back over. Why can't you no, just no, be happy with plus. points, son? It's not always about <laughs> winning. Well, yeah, and I remember like there was that feeling back at the time that I've haven't thought about in decades, and I'm, it's now coming back to me of like, yeah, the first generation of Nintendo games, like, oh, those are old. Why would you want to play those? Pro wrestling? Come on, like if mm-hmm. that 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 first wave that had like the pixel art covers, yeah, yeah, that, the, yes, it, it the was black, meant to black look box like, pixel art cover. Yeah, yeah, it was meant to look like the game, and then like years later, I found out like, oh, it was made with like post-it notes or something, <laughs> like just little little you, paper squares that they would arrange in real life to, to I, look I like think, the pixels. I think it might have been Game Over where they talk about like the reason they did that is like people had a bad taste in their mouth from the Atari days where you had these amazing hand-drawn yeah. art covers and the games looked nothing like those, and mm-hmm. Nintendo games were like, no, this is. This is sort of what the yeah, game looks this, like. This is what Mario Golf's going to look This is what, no, sorry, just golf. Yeah, <laughs> Four letters, golf. golf. Yeah, just called golf, yeah, with, golf. With, Maybe an exclamation mark in yeah, there. No. Fat Mario in a polo shirt. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 Nintendo no, golf. That, regular that's ass later, golf. Yeah. yeah, no, I remember that. Uh, and, and then, like, I think I went, I remember going to Spain in, like, I want to say 88, 89, Spain. somewhere around there. And, like, the NES had just come out. Mm. And like, but they were back on that first wave, and I'm like, oh my god, uh, you've you've got so far to go. Yeah, how do you <laughs> do? You see some poor kid who doesn't speak English buying a copy of Ten Yard Fight, and you run in slow motion and swat it to the ground. Yeah, but then oh, it, begs, is... it begs the question: like, why were they debuting it with years old games when they were they had like really flashy because, new games that they could have rolled out? Because they were. It's sort of like it were. I think. None of us are old enough to remember the debut of the VCR. They weren't hmm. so much debuting new movies as in like, here are the movies you've loved for 40 years that you've never been able to watch before and play at home. So that, that was sort of the goal there is to like, you can finally take home years of your arcade love and uh, play it perfectly. And yeah, for, but for our generation, I think that was pretty meaningless because none of us ever experienced most of those Nintendo... I like I didn't see Punch Out in an arcade until fucking eons after I played the, the NES version. I saw mine before I saw Mike Tyson's Punch Out, but I didn't know they were related because the arcade yeah. Punch Out looks so good and so you know different mm-hmm. than than the NES one. But like that is something you, you point out, like the fact that there's sort of that delay to stuff getting to Spain with the internet. It can't really happen anymore. Nope. Like we we grew, we were probably the last generation to to experience that. And I yeah. used to remember it from state to state. You know, like you know, when you're near a major market like L.A. or something, you're gonna get certain things before other states. Dude, that's or why on like, thirty yeah. twenty ten, like you can go and like look at Kmart's logs of wins came in, but it, it really looks like 
Well, games in the 80s came out as the trucks came in. It, yeah. They just drove across yeah. the country. It was and whenever. Yeah, when, it's <laughs> when the ports are. And yeah, in California is right there near a port yeah, near Japan. So, so New you York know, and, and California would get stuff first and it would slowly disseminate through the country. It's so weird yeah. to think about. Unless you're a test market. Like there's, there's some of those yeah. like, you know, middle America where they're like, hey, this is a good representation of the rest of the country. We're going to give them the... We're going to put a Nielsen box that happening child now with the internet. Like all these fast food items that like no one else gets, but like some tiny town in Middle America mm. gets. Like I guess they still do that, but yeah, that that that's gone. You don't get that with the internet because people talk about it immediately. Mm. It's like yeah. yeah, people in Spain at least. Well, we try. You know, in games industry, they try to do sim ships for everything now, where every country gets it at yeah. once. But yeah, there was a time where that shit would slowly get localized and roll well, out. Yeah, know? and I think maybe the last straw in that was I remember reading an interview once. I can't remember who it was with who said that like. We figured out how to dramatically cut piracy, and how you do that is you release day and date in Russia with a good localization. Yep, <laughs> it helps. It always because helps. They, yeah. the, one of the main, like a, a lot of people in Russia pirate this stuff because they can't buy it legally. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Now they just do it because history. their country encourages yeah. it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, man, I, yeah, I, I actually, I did, I, I didn't think this was going to be an entry. I, I was really championing Super Mario All Stars. Yeah. But I guess it's it's pretty similar. Yeah, it is it is similar and I think I think it's one of those that it's like yeah, that was a really cool extra. It wasn't so much a system seller. It's like these are really good remasters, remakes of beloved games, but like you've played all of these already except for maybe Ooh. the lost levels. Mhm. So, um yeah, l- less significant than than this one. But it's just sure, the idea of Nintendo really giving away mm-hmm. brand not remastered, remade. Yes, classic games in a way that they I think they've only been re, slightly retoggled again for those the advanced series, but I don't think to this extent Nintendo's ever revisited these classic games. It's just been fans who've had to make Super Mario All Stars, yeah. and, and but it, it also came me. with with World, the best Mario game, mm-hmm. and then you get yes. all the old Mario games and. Throughout the rest of history, Nintendo will nickel and dime you for every one of these Mario <laughs> games over and over again. And on the Super Nintendo, they just gave them all to you. Here's five games, including one that never came out here. Well, so long as you buy the console. Yes, so long as you buy the, the console. console. Like, well, you got to buy Super Mario All-Star separately. That's why I don't think kid, I played so. it until yep. the nesticle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just wanted to bring it up because, like, I have, like, it wasn't just that there was a Mario All-Stars bundle. Like, that was the default Super Nintendo bundle, I believe, for at least a year or two. So they're yeah. younger kids yeah. who like. Can you imagine? They think like, they think, they think Super Mario Brothers Original has grass. Oh, oh no! Oh. And Ooh, Super Mario World cool. sounds unbelievable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what was the big revelation that we had? Like just like ten years ago, people were like. Oh wait, the backdrop little bushes are just the clouds with a different color. Yeah. Like we we finally realized that about the yeah, Mario the bushes games. are green clouds. I mean, the game is yes. super basic, and it, I, I I really feel like not unlike Gran Turismo Three. Like I don't ever need to touch Mario One again. It, it just it might be the game. No, I probably played more. El- no, I might have played two hundred hours of fucking the original hmm. Super Mario Brothers. I remember yeah. like having to go to baseball practice after I got my Nintendo, and like pitching a fit like this is stupid baseball is dumb mario <laughs> is live i don't want to do i don't want to do baseball ever again yeah. mario also like one of the first games to really incorporate physics in interesting ways that like yeah yeah it, that jump 
it's not the same every time. Well, that you know, holding down the button to run and then you slide and the the mushrooms would come out in different directions depending on where you hit the brick. Yeah, like that was really you cool. create a consistent side scroller. It's a it's mm -hmm. a if you think of how quickly it came out after Donkey Kong Jr. Yeah, it's a it's a development feat. It's just incredible. It's it's why I'm really bummed. I didn't have a Wii U, and so I never got into the Mario Maker craze. And of course, I didn't get the 3DS version either because that, that always felt like the lesser version. But like, people deconstructed Mario, and like the amazing shit that the community was able to do, like using those rules of Mario games. Like they created levels that like should not be possible, you know. But it's like just using that rule set, and it's like, yeah, it still holds up. That's what's wild. That that, that game still holds up. All Stars, because All Stars. I think it looks bad now, in my opinion, and it, it sounds, it uses like the Super Mario World sound font for Mario 1, 2, and 3, and that's, you know, I love Mario World, but it doesn't belong in every Mario game. Yeah. Um, but it it goes as far to like remake from scratch even the glitches, like the hundred, you know, infinite one-up thing with the Koopa shell that was not supposed oh, yeah. to be a thing. And I they was had to, never right. able to do that. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I, I, well, I, I was it. never able to do that. it consistently and on purpose. I, every once in a while, you could just get him to do it automatically that had nothing to do with your own timing. Didn't All-Stars fuck with the jump, though? No. Where, like, it used... Okay. No. No, what it did is it, uh, for Mario 2, I think, it gave you two run buttons so you could run and you wouldn't have to let it go to pick stuff up. You could just hit the other run button. Oh, thank goodness. And, uh, yeah. And, yeah. and it, I was reading about this because I thought it would be here. There was one cartridge called Super Mario All-Stars plus Super Mario World, so all four of those games were a pack-in for all five of those games. So every, yeah. basically right. every Mario to exist you got as a pack-in well, game. The one that's really rare, though, is that and Knuckles. You got to find the one no, that's I'm not, and Knuckles. I'm, I'm not kidding. They, they change things in Super Mario World in the Super Nintendo version of Super Mario All-Stars and Super Mario World. No, most notably, Luigi is made taller and skinnier for the first time since Mario 2 in only that hey, version. I have an honorable mention that just popped into my mind. I don't remember how I got it. Mm -hmm. But did you guys get that Zelda promotional disc that included yes. Ocarina yes. of Time plus that master? Well, that was a pre-order pre incident, wasn't or it? A pre-order or like day one buy for uh, uh, Wind Waker, wasn't yeah. it? Okay, that's what that so. was. Yeah. But that, that to me feels Actually, like... Actually, it might have just like been 1999. I forget. I think I bought it separately. Hmm. It's something Nintendo yeah, never does. I have it I, somehow, I, no, it's, I, it's, it's, it, it, they don't do it anymore. And Mario Stars reminded me. I'm like, God, I, I just love it when they give us those. I don't know. They repackage their old games in cool ways yeah. like that. Like I wish they would do. I that mean, yeah, wish they. Nintendo is so fucking Nintendo. Sometimes you got the Nintendo <laughs> Super Mario All Stars Dual Disc GameCube re-release of Majora's Mask and Ocarina, and that's like the oh. Nintendo being Nintendo, not the eye rolly shits of <laughs> most yeah. modern day news. Ugh, that's so yeah. fucking Nintendo. Which we'll get to in the next segment. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. On that note, we should wrap Here, this here's, up. Here's my minor question of the week, just to you guys, because I don't have the information off the top of my head. Yeah. I, 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 it was just mentioned in the chat and the show. Has a Zelda game ever been a pack in for a Nintendo system? There have been. Yes. Zelda editions, but they still come with a downloadable version of the game, as far as I remember for 3DS. 
Yeah, if if it has been, I'm guessing yeah. handheld. Well, yeah. Well, Wind Waker had there was a GameCube edition, and then there was a Wii U. Right, edition. right. It did come with a Wii. Yes. All right. There you go. Yeah. Oh, with that HD Wind Waker. Yeah, we okay. need that Wikipara yeah. sound effect. And, when and I, was. I think yeah, I was looking it up earlier, and yes, Wind Waker actually it there was a special edition GameCube that was like platinum that mm-hmm. came with it, and then there was a non-special just. Like it was like special edition pack and just pack that had like Wind Waker plus like a purple GameCube, um, but that that's that kind of falls into the like this is like a semi limited edition. It's not like the mainstream yeah. thing. Like this is what the console is now. Mm. Yeah, when you go out and buy it, you'll get these games most yeah. likely. And 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 Zel- Nintendo fans are going to buy Zelda. Mm-hmm. Zelda is not going to an entrance a five year old or a. 35 year old in the way that Mario Kart or even Mario Brothers would. maybe not the same way that the original Zeldas caught us back in the day no the original but... Zelda was fucking confusing to me I didn't yeah, know what it the was but I loved do. it anyway <laughs> I, I had to come back to it after um, mm. after uh, uh, oh my god Link to the Past because mm. uh, Link to the Past really clicked with me yeah yeah and, exactly and I'm like oh maybe I can appreciate yeah. that now and and eh, not quite. But yeah, I think the ubiquity of the Pac and Mario games is one of the reasons why just a vanilla, I think, mint in box Super Mario Brothers, like, sold for some ridiculous yeah. amount a few years ago. Yeah. And that's kind of like what kicked off the video game hoarding slash markup trend that began in like 2020. You, you couldn't yeah. buy a Nintendo until like. The mid '90s, without Nintendo's flagship character in his first mm-hmm. big non-single screen game. Just shut up. You know what I'm talking about. Like Nintendo's yeah. giving away its like biggest thing in every Nintendo, and they did up it, until like the dog bone fucking like Nintendo. Well, it, it was it was a scandal that Nintendo 64 did not come yeah. with Mario 64. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had yeah. to buy that separately. But it, it was also. If I remember correctly, Nintendo 64 was pretty cheap at launch as consoles. It was go. it like, was it launched at 200 as opposed to the that's 300 I, yeah. I think PlayStation mm-hmm. Saturn came yeah. out for. So you were out of the door for 250 and you're yeah. like, yeah, that kind of feels you're like, paying like 80, 80 bucks for the games. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh god, that's right. Yeah, it wasn't 50 bucks yeah. for games. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Uh, anyway, we should wrap this up and take a little break and when we come back, we're going to talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff, so stay tuned. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin Packing the wind, battle me, that's a sin I won't ever slack up, punk it better back up Try and play the role and you're the whole crew will act up Let's get scratching Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. No, we're just out of a screening of Spider-Man No Way Home, and I'm here with the most knowledgeable man I know in the field of all things Spider-Man, Chris Baker. How you doing, buddy? Uh, you're too kind. Thank you, Chris. I couldn't get tickets at all for the Thursday screening. As the Spider-Man tickets sold out real fast, crashed AMC's website. And I asked around, does anybody want to see Spider-Man at 1 p.m. on Friday? Because <laughs> it's like, I'm not dodging spoilers again. I'm just not. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i go with you again right. on Saturday, whenever you can do it. But I'm going to experience this fresh. Super important to me. And I'm, I like that the hype for this movie was like through the roof. But when I saw Endgame... I think it, I was talking to you about it. Like, I didn't... The trailer only showed, like, the first 40 minutes 
of the movie. I had no no idea what oh, yeah, Endgame yeah. was even going like, to be about. Time travel and all that was like completely left right. out of the. I I, yeah. I I read your movie sites and all that stuff, but I'm really good at avoiding spoilers. But like, dude, the Spider Man stuff just crept over into everything. And when I finally walked out of the movie, I'm like, yeah. Then the post credit scene, like that, all of that, all of that was spoiled for me. Like naturally on Facebook. Man, they broke through. I got hit by every spoiler. It was still, it, you need to see it, even if it's been spoiled. Certain details have been spoiled for you. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our final segment, where we're just going to dive headlong into that segment that you and I both love, known as... Shrek to Yomi is not coming out until the day after we record this. So Did you say Shrek Cross Yogi? Did I? Yes, somebody <laughs> Shrek get my Cross letter. Yogi. Hey, Boo Boo, look <laughs> at that green guy over there. I hope there's a burp button for this Shrekky game. <laughs> uh, Trek- I hope that picnic basket has gingerbread men. Yeah. Trek to Yomi, G- Yogi. The, the 2D stylish samurai game. Uh, yeah, looks, looks good. Cool. It's on coming to Game Pass, so mm-hmm. we'll all we'll all play it. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, we have played a couple things that came out last week. Uh, yep. Matt, you played Nintendo Switch Sports. Does it hold up to the legacy of the one of the greatest packing games of all time, Wii Sports? <laughs> yeah. yeah, boy, did I. Um, all right, well, let's see. If you've played Wii Sports, mm-hmm. this game will feel awfully familiar to you. I'll start by saying that. Um, it's... Uh, you know, at the first segment I kind of hinted at Mario Kart might have uh, told the bell for like kind of this this approach Nintendo has to these games, and I don't want to call it bare bones, but it's sort of that. Like there there's there's no progression to speak of because I guess you know when I think about it, like yeah, who would want to play this game as a single player experience? You'd have to be a psychopath to want to do that. But I <laughs> I was trying. I, Matt, I do I actually just want to disagree with you for a second because I remember when I got my Wii. And I got okay. Wii Sports, and it was just like, yes. in my head, it's like, very quickly, I've exhausted everything there is to do in this game. And the big thrill was when people would come over, I'm like, you got the Wii? Holy shit! And then, like, watching other people do stuff and doing that with two people. But there, you're right, there was no, like, single-player thing to do at all after yep. experiencing some of and, these And this games. game is that. And if you want that experience so i played every every sport this game has to offer right so i played the 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 tennis which is just like the other one i played chambara i played so- the soccer game the soccer game is probably the one that has the most strategy um why make a soccer game with waggle controls that's what's weird is i had also maybe i didn't have this set up but i had heard that it took advantage of the leg strap, the leg strap. and yet the soccer game just used the hand controls oh my God. i'm so dreading maybe having to find getting, that the fucking <laughs> maybe that's getting patched in that's the whole point of soccer is you don't use your hands yeah. yes yes can in i this, play with a pro I, controller I played badminton which honestly <laughs> badminton feels just like tennis to the point of like why did you do this it's that slower. almost feels like something that that should have come on Switch Sports Plus. Yeah. Um, uh, but I was telling you guys offline. That, so yeah, the the um, what's that sword game called, Michael? Chambara. Chambara. You, you know where that that title comes from? Chambara. Only Chambara. No, it's Chambawamba. It's, it's like a Japanese onomatopoeia 
that like that's supposed to sound like the sounds that swords make when they strike against each other. Yeah. Chan, chan, bara, bara. And and it's like used to describe like samurai movies. Those are chan bara movies. Ah, like a kiss, kiss, so, bang, bang. Yeah, kinda, so yeah. chan bara is Nintendo Switch Sports' version of boxing in that you're going to approach it like me thinking I'm going to have strategy because it's all about like you have to block in a certain direction. Kind of like For Honor. It's like you have to be blocking in the right direction to block this person's attack. And then once you get dropped into actual real-world multiplayer with an online opponent, you will see that it's basically a game of who can swing their sword the fastest to knock you off this pedestal into the water, American Gladiator style. And that leads me to my my big problem with this game is you'll feel really good when you first play every sport because you are playing a tutorial against computer-generated opponents, which you should know because they all have Japanese names and yet you're playing in America. Um, Very quickly, though, after that tutorial... You're just, it only has online. You can only play online against real people. And that's where you will face the harsh realities of how old and decrepit and terrible you are at these games. And so, yeah, uh, do not recommend as a single player experience, but uh, as a local multiplayer experience, that's, that's where the action's at. That, that's why you buy this game. But I also suspect that's why they had to sell this game for $40 is, um, it is, it is a bare bones package, but that's why it's priced for, uh, on a one two switch level, right? But but for what it is, and, and if you're playing local multiplayer, it's fine and it's great and it's and it's more. Hold on, it's Wii Sports, but it's have Switch kids Sports. Who will play with you on local <laughs> multiplayer? But the, the the soccer the soccer game pretty fun. The volleyball game pretty fun. The bowling is just like the bowling you know and love. One of my favorite parts is that. Unlike Wii Sports, you don't have to wait for... When you're playing online, at least, you don't have to wait for the other people's turn. You're just doing it at the same time. Although, between frames, they make everyone finish, so I did have to wait. But it's like... Yeah, so so it's it's like they've cleaned up a lot of the stuff that maybe annoyed you about Wii Sports. But it's it's that game again. Uh, and it, it's fine. But it's, for $40, great. It's a fun package, but... Uh, really can only recommend it for multiplayer like if you're there to try to have a single player experience what are you what are you doing with your life honestly i mean i'm not i, I don't want to be completely cynical about the game but i also like was at best like this was such a huge trend it just felt like someone trying to like pogs are back <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and and i'm not being cynical about the game at all for me it's just like oh i'm being realistic uh in that like where you're gonna have your fun is with the multiplayer so it's funny i'm I'm on the website right now so yes there maybe i just need to set up the leg strap setting for soccer but it didn't prompt me for that so there might be some settings you have to dig in or maybe it's like you have to play a few matches before it it you know like a lot of nintendo games it's like it's not going to give you all the options right up front like it's going to make you get you like it doesn't okay here's an example I could not set. I'm left-handed. I could not set my left-handedness Ew. until I jumped into every sport and had to choose it at a per sport oh, level. I lame. couldn't like. There's no like universal setting. Like, yes, I'm left-handed. I'm going to be left-handed for all these sports. Like, That's don't ask. Weird. You know? The whole point of like FPL. Wii Sports was creating your personality, like a little avatar of yourself that represents you. And and that's here, but it's weird because they have like the built-in game avatars, and then it's like, but you can also use your me. Do you want to use your me? Like, you probably haven't seen your me in years. You probably need to update your me. Add a few still, wrinkles. I think here it's there. still on my old dick nose. Is still on the my Nintendo account. So <laughs> I think it is when I when I old see your nose. online username yeah yeah but yeah so so it's um 
if you if you want to be nostalgic about Wii Sports and do so in an updated package that honestly, I mean, like the online works and it works really great and it, the matchmaking's super fast, at least, you know, week one everyone's playing it. Like, fine. It, it's it's decent at that and for forty dollars, yeah, like if if you have any inclination of like, hey, I'm probably gonna be having a party with and people are gonna come over and we kinda wanna do something together in front of the TV, like yes highly endorse this game but if, if you're like i'm only ever going to play this alone i'd i'd say pass i mean one of the weirdest casual observations i had of um messing around in tiktok is you know the, it's primarily younger people they're they're totally nostalgic for we sports like it's to to younger folks it's like yes how we feel about mario like it's just this thing that you had that came with this awesome thing and you played it as much as you could these are also the idiots who are voting Phantom Menace as good as episode right. five. So right. I'm sorry, We're I don't get really letters. trust their opinions. I don't trust their bad opinions in movies. Yeah, but it's not about opinions; it's about nostalgia, and uh, yes. those, yeah, those are not objective, and we aren't either. You could not have told me at the time. I would have told you everyone forever in the history of the world would consider The Phantom Menace a bad movie. It's wild it to me that people... It, it is, look but speaking of nostalgia, that's actually well, a pretty good jumping off point for the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, which yeah. is a remastering <laughs> of a game from 2013. Mm-hmm, so a yes. game as old as the PlayStation 4 is now available on uh, Xbox Series X and S and PS5, and it is wonderful. I love yeah. it. So what it does is it's it's the Stanley Parable. If you've played the Stanley Parable, uh, you know what to expect in that like you are walking through an office and your actions. There's there's a narrator with a very plummy English accent who's uh, narrating everything you do and telling you what to do. And you can either follow his orders or you can rebel against them. And they even took the door on the left. Mm-hmm. I said on the left. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Right. You take the door on the left. Yeah. Stanley, you have to go back and take the door on the left. No, don't go that way. And mm-hmm. and really, it's all about, you know, the game gives you the illusion of being able to, to cheat and go off the rails, but it's anticipated your every possible move. Yeah. Um, and so if you play it, like, the first couple runs through will be pretty much what you remember. And then you'll find a door that says new content. And the narrator <laughs> will get very excited. It's like, oh, they've added what? new content. This is amazing. And, oh, finally, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what they brought to the PlayStation. And uh, you go in and it's like, you know, there's there's a very slow industrial lift that you have to ride along and then there's an elevator that takes forever to start up and you get up there and you get into this room and it's like new exciting addition the jumping circle like what it's it's a circle that when you walk into it it lets you jump and there's a counter you only get to jump a certain amount of times and then you're done (laughs) and it's like all right well okay that's a start what what else have they got you go into another elevator and again, it takes forever and slowly goes and narrator's getting all excited. And then you walk into another room and it's just like, thank you for enjoying the new content. <laughs> like that, and the narrator starts like raging about lazy developers and their DLC and how dare they charge for this. And uh, he, like you'll see another new content door on a subsequent run. And he's like, oh, look at this. And he's like created this museum to the greatness that was the Stanley Parable in 2013. Oh, remember all the fun times that we had? And then uh, wanders off and like, oh, wait, no, this... And, and, and like, uh, James Stephanie Sterling has a review in literally enshrined 
in this. It is ten out of t- they're ten out of ten for Destructoid. Uh, Carolyn Pettit, a friend of the show, has has uh, the GameSpot nine out of ten enshrined, and uh, the, the the narrator's mooning over them. And then like you walk out into the back, and uh, it's like, oh, these are all the reviews from pressurized gas I haven't looked at, and it's just like oh, all these <laughs> all these negative Steam reviews. But I don't want to spoil much more than that. It no, goes interesting places. In talking to you about this, like Stanley Parable's not really a game that has a lot of replay value. Mm-hmm. Oh, it has tons of replay value. That's all you do is replay. I, I know, yeah. but you can. But like, after do, that, do yeah, that you've yeah. seen everything. Yeah. And, and 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 it wasn't something I was super excited to revisit. But like just seeing the new promotional material, making fun of promotional material, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is. It, it, I don't want to undersell. It's it's one of the most clever games I've ever played, um, and, and will always have a smile on your face. And I think I'm hearing you talk. I'm kind of like oh, almost almost ready to jump back into it again. Yeah. the The important thing is every time the narrator tells you to do something, you should do the opposite because you will get more interesting results. It's it's so much. It's so fun. when you make the narrator quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If it doesn't contain an ending screen that says, congratulations, you have completed a great game and proved the justice of our culture, I'll be so disappointed. That's you know, Ghostbusters, like, man. But that that's exactly the kind of thing like Stanley Parable would reference because mm-hmm. it, it is a teardown of games and game design. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's beautiful. It also fun. has like, you know, a teardown of game promo and this idea like you go into an investor showcase for the Stanley Parable 2 and it's like a giant E3 just for this one game. And it's just like, Oh yeah, we, we we're gonna have this feature. Look at this. Oh, it's not it's not complete yet. No, I'm saying we're going to have this feature. Yeah, yeah. you you can't see that now. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just so, trust us. Mm-hmm. Trust us. Yeah. But so yeah, it's, it's good. good. Yeah, it's good. And it's, it's good. I think we we established on the show. It's like if you own Stanley Parable on Steam, it's it's like sixteen dollars upgrade. Right, or yeah. yeah, all the more reason to get it there. I, I actually do. And and I wonder if they'll actually refer to it as Steam in the Steam version instead of pressurized gas because I'm playing on PS5. And they reference the PlayStation a bunch, but yeah, it's like, yeah, we we know what this is, but you just can't say it in this version for whatever right. reason. Sure, yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's what we played from last week. But let's continue with. You guys uh, want to know what's big? We talked about it in that first segment, but that's Sonic. Sonic, Sonic. Is, is bigger than ever. The Sonic movie, Sonic 2, is now officially the highest grossing video game movie in the U.S., beating only Sonic 1, which uh, grossed $146 million domestically. Sonic 2 hit one hundred. Sonic 2 hit 147, so uh, yeah. Uh, and it's still making decent money globally as well. I think globally, I, I think it's what a, a listener might have sent this in. Like the Warcraft movie still holds that title for highest grossing. China! But, uh, but yes, but so- Sonic no slouch. It, it's also the highest rated well. like Metacritic Rotten Tomato. It's... it's Remember, we, we did a laser time a long time ago about, like, in, in Angry Birds was, like, the most mm-hmm. critically, uh, uh, the, the, the best critically performing of all video game-based movies, and Sonic has blown it the fuck away. Yeah. Uh, so, people so, like Interesting Sonic. that uh, we don't have to ask anymore, 
what the hell is driving Sonic fandom? Because remember, for a long time, there's like yeah. there haven't been any good games in years. There's like the TV shows are gone. They, I don't think they were. I don't. I don't think they ever really left. And I think also like the comic book was keeping things alive. But well, like, well, you have to you have to remember like every time Sonic was re released on another platform, mm-hmm. a kid was kind of discussed because I was talking to someone with like a nine and twelve year old and like they fucking love Sonic. It's just like yeah, it is course. ubiquitous for children. Yep. He's around. Yeah. Yeah, and they've always like Michael said they they've had TV shows. It's just like, yeah, I think some some of the shows are loved more than the others. Yeah. He's got they're mobile just games. not on our radars cuz we're He's the got core gamers. Mobile Sonic Mania was huge with the kids that I know. Like mm. they love Sonic Mania. It was yeah. huge with us too. It's yeah. huge with us too. Like yeah, Sonic Mania had crossover appeal because it was the the retro play. Um, and then, yeah, so to capitalize kind of on the success of the movie, I, I'd have to believe Netflix offered a glimpse of that new animated series, Sonic Prime, and um, it looks great. It looks it looks just like you would want CG Sonic to look. I, I don't know if you guys saw the stills from that or anything, but it's teeth? Just like, yeah. Got, does he have teeth? I want individual teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one solid block of a row of teeth like there in his mouth. So, yeah, it, it's... And, and I want his song. eyes, Tropic of Capricorn, Tropic of Cancer. He has the one mega eye with two pupils yeah. that you, you expect. I, I didn't realize, apparently, the, the toys that accompanied the first Sonic movie were, like, of the old design. Like, really? That's probably the best proof you... What show were we talking about that on? Like, people believe it's a conspiracy, that, like, that was... The bad Sonic design was a conspiracy to prom- to delay Sonic and or promote Sonic. No, that's come on. I, but it's it's awesome to read about because like that would be brilliant. But you also had the merchandise and like that's how you know it was real. They yeah. had to tell Ch- China to make millions of these awful looking Sonic creatures because that mm-hmm. that was the movie that was coming I, out. I can attest the new ones look fine. I was I was in a grocery store with a claw machine just this weekend and some little kid was going after they had a knuckles they had they had Sonic Tails and Knuckles in that machine and he wow. was going after it and I'm like you can't get that toy. <laughs> That's very way too deep. What are you talking about? There's, there's I think no the only, only the news attached to that is uh, Jim Carrey has threatened to retire from acting, which he has done before. And the director's sure. like, we're yeah. not, we wouldn't replace Jim Carrey. That's ridiculous. He's very good in those. And movies, I don't know, so. like I, I like had this like vision. I'm Jim Carrey's best friend, and I'm like, I'm begging him, please don't do this. And I don't know how to beg Jim Carrey to be Robotnik for the rest of his what life. I just don't. They replaced him with John Goodman. Okay, could you get behind that? That's oh, my, shit, that's yes, my personal headcanon Wario. But, uh, okay, I have one condition, Michael. Do, am I allowed a condition? No. Please. I mean, he needs... <laughs> Lord, he Lord needs knows the, Goodman has plenty. He needs... The, <laughs> how dare you? Why am I laughing at this man's health? No. Bad Matthew. He needs the French braid from Community, and then, then I will, they'll take it. I'll say, yes, you have to have the French braid. What was his excuse at the time? He's like, I'm going through some things. <laughs> like, I remember that. Okay. On the show, they, the they were asking him about like, the, the braid. He's like, I'm going through oh, some right. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was great. So yeah, uh, the Sonic stuff, pretty good, wholesome entertainment. Check it out. Uh, you're going to miss out if you don't. Um, you might have missed out on, was it last year or two years ago? What is time? That Mortal Kombat movie that came straight to HBO oh, Max. Fucking great. Great. It's good. It's fine. Great. The best Mortal Kombat movie I've ever seen. I That's thought it was not awesome. saying anything. I know. <laughs> the weird original proxy character could have done without, yeah. but the rest was fine. But uh, one Kano of the things. Kano for president. 
Hmm. One of the things that might have been missing was a recognizable character for Johnny Cage, which is good news that uh, WWE's own The Miz uh, has volunteered. I love when people do this. They like start fishing like, hey, I want to play this role. And, I, you know, it, he's trying to get internet fans to encourage it. But, like, this makes perfect sense. Yes. And, yes, I could totally see The Miz playing Johnny Cage. Like, so that, that is basically who he plays as his character. Yeah. Yeah, he plays Johnny Cage in the wrestling ring. Actually, that that is one thing that annoyed me about the Mortal Kombat movie, that it basically ended the same way as Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, which also ended with, like, you know, oh, it's it's all meaningful. It's like, we found out about this guy in Japan. We should go recruit him. And it's like, oh, it's going to be Ryu. They're setting up a sequel Mm -hmm. that will never happen. And it was the same thing. It's like, oh, this guy in Hollywood, Johnny Cage... He's one to watch. I, right. I think they, they right. just because like this is a Warner Brothers property, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, and they made that animated movie as well. And I think right. in, a, in a time of pandemic, they kind of they didn't have to break the box office, but they performed as they needed to when we were all desperate to watch new things. And I really liked the new Mortal it, Kombat. It was movie. fine. It had a lot of good fan service. I, I've just always loved that Mortal Kombat has this weird, like clearly, Liu Kang was meant to be your hero, Bruce Lee character, mm-hmm. and yet. Mm-hmm people gravitated towards it's because he has the dick punch you put a dick punch in a game people will choose that character no 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 the first game was supposed to be a blood sport game he's he's the jean-claude van Damme. that's true it's it's either it's i'm not saying racism but a little bit maybe maybe the perception of race bias it's why they made guile the lead character in the street fighter movie even though reuse Mm. the main character in the games it's just like this is where we're marketing the movie to they need us. They gotta see someone on screen who looks like them. <laughs> so Johnny Cage kind of got elevated, I think, beyond his. Uh, well, whatever he was, well, the, he was the side. I art. think also like Luke Hang kind of had to win over Mortal Kombat fans because, like, mm-hmm. number one, he was in the first game. He's the Bruce Lee clone, which every fighting game had, and so yep, he's yep. he's therefore the most generic character. Also, his fatality was the only one that didn't involve any dismemberment or or a lot a lot of blood. He just did the spin kick and the uppercut. Right. So we eventually had a dragon that bit you in half. That was pretty cool. That was awesome. Here's why this is funny. This is not necessarily like Sean Young coming out in Catwoman suits on daytime talk shows. (laughs) (laughs) Is that if The Miz was cast in a sequel to that Mortal Kombat movie, he would instantly become the most famous actor in that movie. So like, there's plenty of reasons to cast him. And then Michael, if you didn't see it, he's a a wrestler but he's showing himself training to try and do Johnny Cage's moves he's with trying to a learn the splits yeah he's and, trying to get yeah. the splits down so he can do the move yeah which, he's yeah, like he, he was he was doing his kicks and like he, he really i mean you could cast an actor but why not cast a stunt guy physical performer to be in this role why the fuck sure. and the, the Miz has been playing Johnny Cage for all this time not that well, Johnny Cage was problem. that nuanced if, if you, if you're making Mortal Kombat 11 the movie, mm-hmm. frankly, the Miz is old enough. He's he would be playing old Johnny Cage at this True. point. Like you know, like he's not in his twenties anymore. Is what I'm saying. Like, he'd, like, he'd be a know. great villain. You gotta. Yeah. You guys gotta get through me. I'm, a, I'm way more famous than all of you. Hmm. Awesome. I, I endorse the casting. I I, I would like me to too. see it. But who yeah. knows if it happens? But I do. I love when actors just fish. Like, yeah, I want to play this role. Like, good for you. <laughs> what the fuck? But you it's, know? it's it's, it's aw- like it's awesome to see them give a fuck. It was. I only brought it up in our recent episode. Like, hearing David Cross talk about playing the game he's in is not something we are totally used to with yeah. celebrities in games. They just don't 
people weren't playing games as much as we were until like you know last 10 years now they're just ubiquitous so here here's the big story this week i didn't mean to dance around it um that was a mini hollywood segment by the way but uh idos (laughs) crystal dynamics square enix montreal and all their ip have been embraced Mm -hmm. by the embracer group the embracer group the Embracer Group brought, bought all that shit with the IP, which includes things like Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, Legacy of Kane, for a steal. Get this: the low, 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 low price of three hundred million dollars. That I, sounds like a steal to me. I'll be honest; that, it, that it sounds does. like the fucking bargain. You yeah. know, like it, it, of Candy Crush went for like five billion. Right? I'm surprised well, Tomb Raider by itself isn't worth that much. I think that's that speaks to how desperately Square wanted to unload it. Mm. The best take I've seen on this, I don't know if you guys saw, I believe it was Games Industry had an article about it. It's, this signals the end of an identity crisis for Japanese publishers like Square. Okay. There was, basically their argument was like, there was a little while there where Japanese games weren't as popular and Japanese publishers pivoted and bought a lot of Western developers right. to release mm. Western titles, right? This This was like, probably two generations ago Mm -hmm. uh but then then in recent years we pointed out before like whenever square would uh miss performance targets those would be the first studios and games they would blame it because they would if you're releasing a final fantasy game every 10 years uh and it's you know stacking up the r&d costs and hasn't made its money um yeah you, you have to put more of a of a basically a sales target on those western release games so of course they were going to miss those those targets which were extremely high for them and yeah it just became this weird thing of like what why do you keep blaming the western developers and western Mm -hmm. games for these things when you're clearly ignoring the elephant in the room of like when is fucking your next final fantasy coming out because that's where you're making all your money you know it's I, i mean i think we can go back in time and there have been two mainline final fantasy games in the decade Square has owned these companies, one of which being Crystal Dynamics, who has turned into like a relatively flawless developer on a AAA level. Just wonderful, wonderful output from that company. Officially, I'd I'd say by most measurements, that Avengers game probably regarded as a failure. But like, I still had a good time with that game. Like that game is, mm-hmm. I think the re- one of the reasons it failed is it took so long to get here and mm-hmm. maybe just wasn't what people were expecting. And then, yeah, the whole you sure Destiny it wasn't the uh, thousand different kinds of currency and uh, yeah, yeah, like they they didn't really know how to do a live game. And, trying and, to turn Final Fight into uh, Fortnite, but it was it was also like that's that studio's first time doing a live game, right? This is the Tomb Raider studio. They make story based single player games, and all of a sudden they're doing a live game, which is like. I'm sure they learned a ton of lessons, so they might actually be positioned really well if the Embracer has them on like a live game project. Like They probably have a lot of good learnings they can take forward to that next project. This know? is probably my fault, but I'm still pretty plugged into game news. Does Embracer not seem like the fucking Cloverfield of goddamn companies? I bought... <laughs> I bought Borderlands so I could dismantle it, Roger Rabbit. Like, <laughs> I mean, who, who? Embracer bought the the company I last worked for. They they bought the North American branch of Perfect World. Like they they yep. they bought Gearbox. Like they they yeah. have 
I think what it is with Embracer is they just keep buying people and everyone's like, well, what's their output? What, how are yeah, they making money? Is Embracer you know? the one that, like, is that Deep Silver or are they somebody else? They own no, Deep Silver. They also own, really, most of their money is going through their THQ Nordic publishing mm-hmm. label. Like, that's the thing. They don't they don't publish under the Embracer label. They publish under mm-hmm. Gearbox. They publish under yeah. THQ Nordic. So it, they, Embracer is so ominous. It's just it like, is. no, we, we just acquire companies. That's what we it do. It is, and yeah. I, think, I think that you haven't seen their logo on the... In front of a game yet? I don't believe. Uh, no, because they're all Embracer game. No, they, they they don't publish under that logo. Yeah. The, the Embracer is basically, I think, it just it signifies it's private equity. Like it's they just go out and they acquire group. people, and then those companies do their thing. It's like how you know Tencent had investments in so many game companies. Yeah, but right? it didn't outright buy companies. So this is yeah. th- there is something not great about this in these. People will liquidate things. They're, they're a holding company buying things and using companies and employees' lives like poker chips. It's not going to be good. The thing that's not surprising to me is like Square wanting to offload the Western developers because, yeah, that, that's a lot of cost. It's the IP. Like, yeah. you don't let go of Tomb Raider. It Tomb Raider alone should be more than $300 million. To it, it feels like it's one of those news stories where, like, this feels rude. And maybe that's because I have some experience working in a Japanese developer and, like, Sometimes people call that like, you know, you work for a Japanese company. That's the mothership. Everybody falls on their sword, but mostly the Western devs do in times of... And it's never fair. And it's never fair. But like the home office is in Japan and we don't know what this Hitman thing is. You told us it was going to be great. And it was. Uh, So Mm -hmm. like I, I don't... It hurts. It bothers me on a level from personal experience um but because i've seen this happen before in this but also like square doesn't know how to make a game on a regular basis uh, like a triple a doesn't know how to make triple a games on a regular yeah, basis. I, I was gonna say like 300 million dollars that's like what the budget of one final fantasy game yeah yeah like oh, uh, yeah holy shit like uh seriously how many final fantasy games have come out since they they bought up idos in like oh six uh, yeah, two re-releases. Two. There, uh, yeah, there's been a billion mobile ports, and uh, there's, there's been two in a remake, and that's it. There have been three Tomb Raiders, three Hitmen, all great, uh, uh, multiple Deus Exes, all well reviewed, all well regarded. Only one Sleeping Dogs, though. Well, uh, well, that's the thing, Sleeping Dogs. That I think that's the one of the IPs that will go mm, as I part hope, of this deal. I hope they so do they could do. With them. But so here's the thing: is like. Yes, the Tomb Raider games well regarded, but like that last one, I think was a disappointment. And even the one before, because remember they had that Xbox exclusive deal, Shadow of the like Tomb Raider, the, yeah. The the well, Shadow and then Rise of the Tomb Raider even didn't perform as well as they wanted because it was you know locked to one console for like a year or something. So that's that's the thing. I I know I'm a broken record about this, and Michael is tired of hearing it, but uh, I predict. What's that news of what's happening in Netflix losing most of its content? Everybody's going to be scrambling to license video game IP, and Square just <laughs> threw away some of the most recognizable gaming IP. Yep. And if, yep. Like, there, there's been at least five movies based on the IP they let go for $300 million. That, that's what's wild. They're not well, they may not be well received, but they were lucrative, they made money. But and at the Square same time, if, if they're away. mismanaging that IP, like is it is it valuable for Square to own that IP if they really don't know what they're doing with it, you know, or what to do with it? Yeah, like I wish it's... more companies would sell off their IP. Konami, 
Yeah, yeah. If you're not doing anything, that's that's the only silver lining. Like you're not doing anything with this, with this. You don't appreciate it. Let it go. And they did because Japan is, from my experience, doesn't pray to the god of capitalism as much as we do here. It's not all about well, just making money. Okay, so here here is the flip side of this story. One of the reasons I think a lot of people are upset about it. You say that, and mm-hmm. yet Square followed up with like the reasoning behind letting this shit go. And it's 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 your worst nightmare. They basically said that it allows them to invest more in the blockchain. Oh, right. AI and the cloud. Some of the IP and they said they are still keeping some Western IP like they're keeping Just Cause. They're keeping That's Outriders. That's the weird one. Like, I, did that like, life outperform all the other games? Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. But 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 would, that was what really pissed people off. Is like, wait a minute. You're fucking selling off Tomb Raider to focus on the blockchain and NFTs? Like, I don't buy that. Like, to me, that's like very much an executive throwing out buzzwords that investors are still sort of getting excited about like with the blockchain and nft and all that stuff but like man uh, uh, i wouldn't have well, i wouldn't just, have followed like, up with from that my statement. experience working in a japanese they want to work in areas they like and know well and yeah when they're tasked with making a shooter not really that <laughs> that's not it's just not really a japanese concept for the most part other yeah. than like resident evil and uh offloading these IPs for a market they don't technically understand. They're just not into it. But and I, I, I say that shit with a, a the the first Tomb Raider reboot. Was that was that just called Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was Rise of Tomb Raider. That is one of the best games chat. I've ever fucking played. It, 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 Rise to me was like when uh, Arkham City. Like Rise is where it hit its peak, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That, is that, that the third one? Trilogy. The second one. Shadows of the so, yeah, I could uh, never get into Rise. I tried a few times. I, I, but I played all of them in kind of too quick a succession, and they, like, you know, it's diminishing returns because they do all the same things well, and it's just more of the same. Rise was the most open world of those, in my opinion. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying, like, imagine the Tomb Raider movies have failed mm-hmm. because when you think about the awesome moments that occur in a Tomb Raider game, what, what it's like to survive in the wild and discover a tomb with dinosaurs in it. It's not very well served in 90 to 100 minutes. A fucking show of, of Tomb Raider on Netflix be yeah, fucking You can only grand. show one adventure. Like it's Yeah, it's, you show you show one adventure. Tomb Raider's always like six episodes of an awesome series and I think Tomb Raider would make a great Again, I think gaming IP will change the the face of the streaming landscape and 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 Square just threw away some of the most recognizable IPs, oh, yeah. respected IPs in the business. Mm-hmm. Quick, quick, Maddie Al anecdote. Before I got old and this became a common occurrence, the first movie I ever fell asleep in in a theater was the Angelina Jolie, Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movie. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really bad. They're really bad. Really it was the first weird. one though. Like you can hear Daniel Craig doing like his first attempt at an American accent, American accent. and it is hilarious. Yeah. It's there are some, but but massive money makers on a worldwide level. That's a brand everybody knows. The, technically, the second Tomb Raider made more than what they sold Tomb Raider and everything else for. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? So here, here's your old pal, Matty Al. Might be being too optimistic, but here's my hope is we all know, we've talked about it on the show before, Square, like we saw it at E3. The Western stuff, They their, their booth basically had a fucking gate in the middle that they're like, here's all the yeah. Eastern 
games and titles and here's all the western stuff like they always regard it as this weird separate part of the business my hope is and they said this in their announcement this enables like the people like at square in la and all that like their north american office to just focus on that one side of the business like okay we're just gonna focus on jrpgs and the shit that square and enix became famous for like if Mm -hmm. if it helps provide focus I'm I'm here for that. Like, yes, please do that because you don't want those folks splitting their time across such a you know all these other games where they don't have any time to give anything. I work on Kingdom Hearts. I market Kingdom Hearts. I work twice a decade. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So so yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being optimistic, but I, I see a silver lining there. But um, yeah, I think this is this is a massive botch, and I think the reason why people are pissed, even if that hasn't been vocalized very well, it. It says one of the most well-regarded publishers doesn't really understand the gaming landscape and, and doesn't care to. I mean, you know, you know they understand the importance of uh, digital apes. Uh, yes, <laughs> and, and it's focusing on things that gamers don't care about. And it's it's not just infuriating, it's disappointing. Yeah. It's disappointing for a company like Square, who's like, Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy Remake, I never would have predicted they would have come out as well as they did. They were great. Great. I, I think it's more than disappointing. It's Part of it is like, you know, as core gamers, we sort of get really defensive of the shit we love. It's mm-hmm. insulting that yeah, Lara Croft Tomb Raider sold for $300 million alongside all the folks working at those studios. Were really, dude, Square Enix Montreal, really fucking talented developer. Like the, the yeah. Deus Ex game they get the, that team did. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, very, very talented team. So it's like, yeah. Great. This is a steal for the Embracer group. We, we saw them like cast aside the Hitman IP in an, an astonishing way that like it's just so unprecedented. Like how could you let one of gaming's top like 20, 30 IPs go? This is not dead to rights for fuck's that, sake. That's actually that's a great point. That was the canary in the coal mine of like yeah. Square gave that IP back yeah. to the developer. We, we don't care. Like how can you not care? Right. Uh, And and I know from an American perspective, like, nobody lets loose of residual money. No one does. Yeah, but for $300 and I think part of the reason it feels so insulting is, relates to our next story, we have stories like Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion, right? Like, uh, I'm no math whiz, but I think that's about... 180, 190 times the value of this square deal, right? Like 68 billion compared to 300 million. Like, um, so, but so, yeah, related to that, um, the Activision Blizzard shareholders voted on that deal. And folks were like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe they're not going to be down for the deal. 98% of their shareholders said, yes, please, please fucking sell to Microsoft. We want that, right? So at this point, the only thing holding that deal back possibly is the government. Uh, and in a related story, the w- one government, so the city of New York, uh, and various kind of, uh, branches of that city, uh, that had investments. This is something that, that a lot of cities have these investment funds where they invest yeah. in things and that's how they pay off pensions for like their fire departments or teachers or whatever. Right. So city of New York has a lot of these investment funds that are invested in Activision Blizzard. They are suing Activision Blizzard claiming that there has been wrongdoing tied to that acquisition. And their story is basically that um, these funds are alleging that CEO Bobby Kotick and the board rushed the sale in order to dodge all the fallout from all those sexual misconduct reports that were happening about the company. (laughs) And might have basically been willing... 
you know what they really care about is the stock price right it, they, they basically said you you were probably willing you offered it for a stock price that was only a one percent premium over its current stock price just so that you could sell it quickly to microsoft to have this done before all these allegations yes. fully came to light those people so. are smart and will be bought mm-hmm. off and uh Settle out of court, and for a sum we'll never figure out. But they're yeah. absolutely yeah. so. So that that suit could, yeah, basically kind of put this acquisition stuff on pause because this has to has to get worked out uh, in order to make for that acquisition to go through. In addition to, uh, I forget which which arm of government or what is it, I mean, Congress. The people have to. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have yeah. to basically approve this merger and say like this isn't a monopoly, which. If you think this is a monopoly, you really need to go look up the definition of an actual monopoly. This is not a monopoly. Yes. This EA is, this... has the monopoly license. I'm tired of saying this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been Ubisoft. It might point, have been actually. Ubisoft, actually, <laughs> the most recent one. Uh, but, um, but no, so, so yeah, th- this lawsuit is basically alleging that, like, yeah, you were just trying to rush through this and you... Uh, their 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 claims are like that Kodak himself, like without really consulting with the board or having people vote on it, was he's the one that like came up with the pr- stock price offering of between ninety five to one hundred and five dollars a share to make it as appealing as possible to Microsoft, so that Microsoft would basically yeah buy this shit as quickly as possible is is what they're alleging, and um, so that a lot of this stuff wouldn't have to get out there in the public eye and the audacity we'll see what happens. <laughs> God damn, that is a great sound clip. I, I hope we. I, 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 I don't want it to become on the soundboard permanently until we get a clearer version of it because there's too much fucking True. marketing music behind noise, it. Yeah. I'll get right on that. I will oh, not actually, because no. um, that's all the news that's fit to play. Ah, hooray! Oh. Well, uh, that's time to move on to our community segment, which is always a segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, what's a novel or book series that you think would make a good foundation for a game? On VigiGameApocalypse.com, the almighty Olive says, The Reckoners series by Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson. That's right up there with Rural Juror. Uh, Brandon (laughs) Sanderson Sanderson. is is perfect to be adapted to a game. It's set in a post-apocalyptic world where a select few people have been granted superpowers. That drive them insane. Of course, yeah. Each villain has established a base of operations in a different part of the country protected by their minions. A ragtag group of freedom fighters are the only ones to stand up to them and try to take each madman down. This setup is perfect for a Mega Man-style adventure yeah. game where you try to infiltrate each zone and take each boss with a variety of tactics. I was, I was going to say, the location thing made it seem like the boys meets Mega Man. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Mega Man. You you want Mega Man? I would have gone Metal Gear. Whatever, uh, it works. Yeah, but you imagine, imagine selecting the location based on mm. a uh, nine-panel grid, like a tic-tac-toe yeah. board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and it's a part of the country. I like that. A man riding a woman riding a motorbike says, uh, "This is a bit of a cheat, but the borrowers." Uh, I never actually read the book, but I did watch the Secret World of Arietti. Mm-hmm. which is based on the books. In it, tiny people who secretly live all around us borrow household items to help them survive. Ever since watching the movie, I thought it would make uh, it would be perfect for adapting into a Legend of Zelda-style game. Minish cap, says Chris. Uh, uh, with regards to Matt's suggestion, uh, I'd like to paraphrase Hank Hill's thoughts on Christian rock. You're not making Christianity better. You're making video games worse. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Um, How come I, I, that was my I, quote? I, 
I wondered, like, what would be cheaper at this point, the borrower's license or the Littles? Which, it's the same thing, right? Basically. No, 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 no. It is the same thing. Is it? No, I think I think the Littles is a, a different, similar. No, book. I think it was. I, I believe it's the same thing. Uh, the no. Borrowers was a, a live action movie. Speaking of John Goodman, Secret mm-hmm. World of Arietti was a, another adaptation. But I think the Littles is an adaptation of the Borrowers. No, it is. It uh, a series of children's novels by American author John Peterson. So just, one one of these wiki, is a ripoff of the other. I got Wiki Paras. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say if you, if you want to get close to that in game form right now, check out the Moss games, especially the yeah, second yeah. one, which apparently yeah, yeah. no one bought. So please go or Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Fuck mm-hmm. yes! I, I but I, yeah, I think I've said a billion times in the show. I love the little things in Big World. My love for the rescuers and the rescue aid society. I love little critters living above us, using our refuse to make their own opulence. It just mm-hmm. really makes mm-hmm. me happy. Yeah, Thim- a lot of use of thimbles. Yes, and, uh, thimbles spools. all the time. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. thimbles I, and spools of thread. I eat my little hamburger off of a button. <laughs> and fucking safety pins. Oh, yes, uh, safety pins, yeah. universal currency. Uh, from the official Lazy Time community on Facebook, Bob Henson says, uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Bob, even though I've read these books. The Temeraire series <laughs> is a historical fiction series set during the Napoleonic Wars. The hook is that dragons exist throughout the world and European countries use them as aerial combat units. Dragons take crews of soldiers into combat like sailing ships of the period. I've always thought this would make a good RTS or strategy game where you can recruit crew members, train different breeds of dragon, and strategically plan a campaign to conquer or liberate Europe. These are amazing books, gentlemen, if you've never read these. It's a bit like... um, It's like Master and Commander on the backs of dragons... Imagine that. Here's what I would proceed. Yeah, RTS is fine, but no, fuck that. That's not Matty Allen style. Give me like Panzer Dragoon meets Assassin's Creed Black Flag with the fucking mm. ship combat, but you're on dragons in the air. I'm cool. sold. Give me yeah. a Temeraire series. Yeah, that that reminded me of uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which would also probably make a pretty great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's set also during the Napoleonic period, but like magic comes back to Britain. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, well, uh, Chris Baker says, I'm not sure if Chris Antista remembers, but I hijacked a couple minutes from a 2015 Cape Crisis to talk about my love for the Chronicles of Prydain yeah. by Lloyd Alexander. I do remember this, and man, Chris Baker is filled with great facts, anecdotes, yes. and history. This is one of my favorite things we ever talked about. Yeah, uh, the, the Black Cauldron series. Because I was yes. a big fan of Lloyd Alexander. They're like yeah, the covers same. alone were my like favorite art in the universe. Yeah. Oh man, the Horn King, such yeah. a badass character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my answer here. If your only frame of reference for this story is Disney's The Black Cauldron, which inelegantly shoved two of the five Preydain books into one eighty-minute film, just trust me when I say it's actually an amazing, not so by the book hero's journey that would make for an amazing RPG. Take the Huntsmen of Anavin, for example. They're kind of like the Nazgul in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. but they're human and can be killed, the consequence being that their power is transferred to the surviving Huntsmen. So every time you kill one, you still face the same opposition, just in fewer bodies. Oof. I've always thought that would make for a great boss fight. Of course, there was a semi-classic Sierra adventure game by Al Lowe and Roberta Williams that adapted the Disney movie, 
so I guess weird. that's the closest thing I'll ever it's get. So, it looks so weird. Oh, my God. It does. To that, I would respond, Chris Baker, you write video games for a living. <laughs> you should just write one of <laughs> That license is oh. out there. It has to be. <laughs> yes. No, but I thought Baker was going to... Oh, man, I might be um, ruining his story here, but um, I, I think he made a petition to get... Disney to release Black Cauldron on DVD on the in the early days of the internet, and then I think was it, it was either Lloyd Alexander or one of the directors of the movie thanked him personally in an interview wow. for That's keeping amazing. hope alive. And like it was, can you? Um, we're talking like twenty five years ago, like caring enough to like, dude. I boost the signal. We need Black Cauldron on DVD. And then people um, watch it and they're like, oh no, my idealized oh. memories. My rose-tinted yeah. glasses. That live-action tour I had at Tokyo Disneyland was bullshit. We'll always that really got me hyped. Man, that, that fucking Tokyo Disney walkthrough of the Horn King exhibit, holy shit. That yeah. is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Yep. Hmm. I, I really wish I would have seen it. Yeah. Do we, do we think the Horn King was the inspiration for Skeletor? Like from the books. Uh, I mean, you want to say there's dude. another skull-based character other than regular skeletons. I mean, but... Red Skull and... Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like once you realize and remember that you have a skeleton walking around inside you at all mm-hmm. times, you can just create that. At the first yeah. Disney Silly Symphony is the dancing skeletons. There are more skeletons yeah. than humans in the Excuse world. me, the skeleton I dance? That. I don't want any fucking wiki paruses on that shit. I didn't mm. care. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I highly recommend if you are in Paris, the catacombs are fucking dope. Like, very, very fun visit. Fun, eh, maybe not fun, but very morbid, but an interesting visit. How do they smell? I've always been curious. I just love Chris Baker. I'm going to message him. They smell musty. You know, it's but not not like decaying flesh or anything. Ah, okay. Yeah, but like a, a, a dusty curtain. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dewani Rak- Raksha? Raksha? Sure. Raksha. Uh, I think uh, Brenton Weeks' novel series, The Night Angel, is a good fit for a video game adaptation because of the way uh, talent manifests in the universe. Uh, it is shaped uh, or influenced by a physical object called the Kakari, um, uh, which is which in game could you could collect to increase your skill pool. Interesting. I don't. Yeah. But I know you can't spell Kakari without Kaka. That's true. That's how I would dismiss this if I were Rex Reed. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of why I was hoping you would read that one. Uh, At Jeff BT Dubs, uh, Jeff by BTW says, This is tough. Uh, All I've read in my adult life are autobiographies and true story World War II novels. And I think World War II has been adapted into video games. Already, yes, in fact, Activision blamed the poor performance of Vanguard on that. So I have to go back further. Let's have a Telltale style take on an adult Franklin the Turtle, who is now a CSI shrug. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sure, why not? I'm gonna swab the semen out of this condom and get the DNA <laughs> test results to clear by. I don't know what CSI or Franklin sounds like. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, CSI is not Dick Wolf, right? That's Law and Order. There's a Dick Wolf joint. That's sure. the producer, yes. the yeah, famous Law, producer of Law and Order. Dick Wolf, yes. Dick Wolf. Yes. CSI is different? Sure. Mm. Yeah! That's all I know. That's I that remember Miami. Play, like my, my only real experience with CSI is like playing one of the games that came out for it like <sighs> close to 20 years ago. 
and just being kind of annoyed. It's like every one of these stories ends with the suspect breaking down and giving a full confession. Okay, I'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you mean to tell me? That's my iced tea. Uh, he's on a CSI, isn't he? I don't know. Maybe a long No, order. it's law and order, bitch. I don't know. How do you talking shit, Matt? <laughs> really me and my know. big ass wife are come <laughs> shit out of you. All right, we've got a couple video responses this sure week. Do. First comes from uh, Redrock963, who says... Hey, VGA, it's your old buddy Redrock963 and my Hello. little buddy Alice back after a little bit of a hiatus. Okay. I just haven't had good answers to some of the questions lately, which no big deal, but I have a good answer to this one. And I think the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher would make an excellent video game adaptation. The series is about 20 20-ish books long. It stars a wizard named Harry Dresden, and it takes place in Chicago. And Harry is basically a kind of a detective that works with the Chicago police to, to solve supernatural crimes. So I kind of get a Batman Arkham Asylum kind of vibe from Harry Dresden game. And then later on in the series, he goes to the Never Never and fights fairies and vampires and werewolves and all sorts of, you know, other mythical creatures. So I also kind of get reminded of the Vampire the Masquerade PC game when I think of a Harry Dresden game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a whole world of possibilities for that series. And their author is a complete nerd. um, Because he's written a couple of short stories with Harry Dresden playing D&D and some of the other characters in the series basically going on an MMO-style quest. So, you know, the author, Jim Butcher, would be down for it. And Mm. Jim, Jim Butcher is really cool. He's from Independence, Missouri, which I almost had a chance to meet him, but, uh, Kind of missed it by like a couple of days, so that sucked. But Just yeah, that uh, the Dresden Files series would make a great video game adaptation. Anyway, I hope you guys are having an awesome week, and I shall catch you later. Thank you. Check you later. Good to hear from you I, again. I, was there a TV show based off Dresden Files? I think it sounds so. familiar. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard of it before, Red Rock, but um, hmm. um not from books because uh, yeah. I can't read. <laughs> never learned how. I never learned to read. Uh, <laughs> hired a monkey to write all my articles. And yet you became the president of the United States, mm, Mr. I Trump. Did. Or or Adam Carolla. That is literally his story, by the way. He never learned to read? He did in like his 20s. Oh, my. Once I, I started playing Mr. Burcham on K-Rock <laughs> FM. Yeah, once I started having to really travel around and learn how unfunny women were. Right. Uh, Jesus. Couldn't stand the dames of K-Rock. Sorry. Uh, finally, we have a video response from Mike Amari, another person we haven't heard from in a while, who says... Hey, VJ hey, crew. Mike Amari here with the question of the week. Hey, the question of the week, of course, was... Which book or book series would you most love to see adapted into a video game or a video game series? I could go on really for a lecture's worth about this as I am an English teacher and as someone who loves video games and books in equal measure. This is kind of tailor-made for me. I'll try to give it brief for you though, Matt. Um, quite honestly, the book that stands out most to me because it is my favorite book is Stephen King's The Stand. It makes sense for a lot of reasons. For those who aren't familiar with the book, it is this sprawling epic across the United States after everything's been just decimated by a viral outbreak that's basically killed off 90% of the population. You have two factions. You have Mother Abigail on the side of good, Randall Flagg on the side of bad, and they kind of like pick up their own believers, you know, as they kind of 
go across the United States until they meet somewhere in the middle where they have the last stand of good and evil fighting over each other. Uh, It's big. It's epic. There's tons of characters in it. There's great, just harrowing moments. And it really is just one of the best post-apocalyptic books you can ever read. It would make lots of sense given how many games these days are open-world RPGs or open-world action RPGs. This thing could fit really well just using the engine from GTA V. Because you have so many characters you're following and on different sides of a conflict, you can just do what they did in GTA V. You're following with one character for a bit, you hit a button, it pops out on that map of the United States, and then zooms in on someone who's across the country having their own story. Or driver San Francisco. Basically take GTA V, mix in some of Last of Us and Last of Us Part Two, and you got yourself a really compelling package. And something that, honestly... Stephen King adaptations are really hot right now, so doing something that's you know attached to Stephen so King right would guarantee banger sellers. Now, if you want to go a little esoteric, if you are you know someone who's still stroking your chin over your English degree, like I sometimes did, uh, of course we can always uh, use Infinite Jest. Um, of course, you would get the physical version because the whole no. reason to have it is to have it on your shelf to Stop say it. that you've played it, much like with the book. No one's really read that book. They have it on their shelf so they can point to it and said that they've read it. Um, he told and then if you do ass, play Chris. the game, all it is is just a, an updated version of Virtua Tennis. See, that's a joke for the three people who have actually uh, read yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I'm the well, in jest. Thanks again another. for listening to me this week, guys. I look forward to being with you again next week. Thank Love you, Mike Amari, but if I ever have to hear anyone talk about Infinite Jest again, I'll fucking kill myself. I, I prefer the abridged version, Finite Jest. <laughs> The title Infinite Just is reminding me that, like, oh, never-ending story. That would make a perfect game. Uh, someone that. did answer with that. Yes, and, they did. And yeah. and the, the the talking about, like, um, you know, a, a, a giant open-world game the size of the U.S. makes me remember. I was like, I really want someone to mod the crew, one of either the crew or the crew 2, I don't really care, into a Death Race game. And I don't mean Death mm. Race 2000. I mean the original one with David Carradine. Yeah. Okay. That would be awesome. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Here's the thing about Stephen King, though, is like adaptations are so hit or miss. Like, is there an author that has had the most hit, like hit or miss track record with adaptations? Right? Like, is there an author who's had that track record with adaptations? Period. Yeah, that's true. Remember, yeah, one Stephen King is literally like prolific, and and two, true. most of his adaptations are to make palatable TV shows that sanitize the content or movies that need to cut things down to, at best, two films. We're not talking about the Stan series. Wasn't there a Stan series on, like, mm-hmm. fucking yeah. CBS? Yeah. I want to Paramount. say in the 90s or something. No, 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 no. There was a new one, a streaming one. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and no one talks about it because it didn't do well either. Well, there, there was the Dark Tower adaptation that did no. not do well at all. Like, so, but but, but know, I think like, Mike is correct because the amount of lore and characters and development of a 700-page of a Stephen King book is kind of better served in a 30-plus-hour video game than it would ever be served mm-hmm. in a 90-fucking-minute movie. Mm-hmm. Why not? That's true. That's true. His books, yeah, he's so prolific that like video games at least give you the space to actually explore the whole thing and not yeah. just like some small slice of it. it. Can, some yeah. of it can be optional, blah blah blah. If you're that into the universe, but it, be, it I don't know. It's I think I, I think it's where that kind of even yeah. it, it. It is a huge book, isn't it? Hmm. Yes. So. Most of his books are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stephen Kong's it. That's what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. I'm yeah. not being specific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Stephen Kong versus I'm calling Godzilla him Stephen Kong it. from here on out. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Stephen Merchant's Kong's It versus Godzilla. 
the best adaptation out yeah. there. Uh, so new question of the week. What pack-in game did you spend the most time with and why? And that's any pack-in games, not just the mid-cycle ones. Right. Uh, for me, when we got our Apple II way back no. in the game, there was there was a game that was it was like it was basically like a demo disc, and it had like a bunch of different things, and it was to show off what your Apple II could do, and it had uh, a couple of maze games, one where you had to help a rabbit find a carrot, and one where you had to help a gnome find his bag of money, and. The the selling point of these games was not getting to the end of this stupid, simple maze. <laughs> the selling point was repeatedly bashing these characters into the walls of the maze and seeing the animations as they would, you know, just it, it would actually say blat in little levels or little letters. And then uh, they would fall down to the bottom and, and hurt themselves and look angry at you. And then you would send them right back up the chute that you'd just drop them down and you'd hit them against a wall and drop them down again. And my God, I spent so many hours just torturing these poor two bit <laughs> digital creatures. Um, I was like five. What are we talking? You're talking Apple two E to Apple two C. Apple two E. It's, right. it's bizarre right. to think about it. When you said PC, like before I was using my game, my, my, my PC to play games, I remember we got like the first, it was like a Packard Bell uh, with a CD-ROM drive, and it came right. with a Comedy Central jokes about family disc, and in a world of no internet or Netflix, it was the only way I could pull up any like stand-up bits at my leisure I could see Adam Sandler in a cream-colored suit talk about letting crack addicts into his mother's building. It was very weird, it, but it, I think all in all, it had like 20 minutes of stand-up on it separated into menus, but like, what the fuck else did I have to do? We had one TV. Right. I'll go watch the Comedy Central CD-ROM. This, this was also the age of multimedia. Yeah. Where like, if they could throw a video, a postage stamp size video on a CD-ROM, they were doing it. Like, I had, I had something like that with a PC that's like, it's where I learned what a parrot head was because there was a Jimmy Buffett thing on a, on a CD that I watched. Why does he sound like Hugh Hauser? I know, I don't know who Matt's doing a parody of. That's right Jimmy now. Buffett. That's how he talks, hey, how he sings and talks. Hey, y'all, come on down to Margaritaville. I promise it'll be the last thing standing in a hurricane. It's the best impression you do and you don't even know it. Yeah. That is that is Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm like, Hugh Hauser on cocaine. And if, if I'm going to go weirdo PC pack in, then yeah, Microsoft Encarta is probably the one I spend the most time with. But no, I'm going old school. Like the game I, the only Mario game I've played ad nauseum over and over and over and over again every weekend for a good three years was Super Mario World. Yep. That oh. was the game. Or that was, like, I've played the other Mario games quite a few times, but like Super Mario World is like, no, that was my weekend routine. I would play that and probably then play. Whatever game I had rented from Blockbuster, like, but that was always in rotation on SNES. Like, that's just that's the Mario game I've played the most out of any Mario game. So, yeah, Super Mario. It's it's the perfect pack-in game, and it might be the reason Nintendo sort of stopped doing pack-ins after. Like, where do you go from there? It might be the reason Nintendo is Nintendo. It literally led with its best foot. 
fucking... It had transparent ghosts, Chris. The transparency oh, tech no, was sorry. unrivaled at the I, time. Mario World is my favorite 2D Mario. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. And, and that would have been my answer, except that I knew you wanted to do it. So well, well I, I think if, if I was really saying the games I spent the most time with, I probably spent more time with Super Mario Brothers 1. I probably spent more time in Gran Turismo A-Spec. I probably spent more time in Destiny with my PS4. Uh, which I got the white wow. pack-in version. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I did... The thing that um, I just want to talk about that I remember spending the most time with was the Xbox Live kit, if you remember that. There was only one, yeah. so we all had to have the same yeah. thing. And it just yeah. depended on how to utilize it. I was playing PC games online uh, in the same room, but... You remember we had to use like TeamSpeak to talk to one another, and it didn't always work. They and, they sold you a fucking DVD of demos with a headset. Yeah, head, the headset and worked a really well. Like that was what that was the retail kit that they were selling. Yeah. But you know, Sony, you didn't get the the headset with the the adapter. You had to get SoCom to get the headset. Yeah, no, yeah. get a headset. It was nowhere near as good. So you were you were you were buying Xbox Live and like a wireless. Um, uh, adapter and a headset and it just came with free games and i just like i couldn't believe it because like it, it technically wasn't easy to play most pc games online you had to do it through like third-party software you had to speak for sure for through third-party software team speak i yeah, have ventrilo team yeah i have not heard of any of that shit to this day discord i think offers uh, w- began offering something similar i know it's different now discord's been around the longest because for a while there I was worried like there was every four years there was a new PC multiplayer like voice mm-hmm. chat solution and because nobody and was Discord working on is it. Discord has kind of like held that title for for the longest and I, think, I just yeah. I, and I know I eventually was speaking in Counter Strike but it was like not everybody could hear you and it, you had to hit like odd buttons to make it happen and it was just strange but like the Xbox Live thing was like this seamless online experience that felt like the fucking future. And I remember I started playing Tetris Worlds, and I'd been playing online games for, you know, a year or two at least. And But now we're talking, and I would literally like, uh, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, I'll come on tomorrow. And I'd hang out with people, and we'd play Tetris together. And then I remember eventually we got close enough to where, like, my girlfriend started jumping on with me, and we all started talking. And then eventually, somehow... During a fucking polite game of E-rated Tetris, uh, she was talked into sex on the microphone. And that is about the most public sex I've ever had Jesus. with a group of people on Xbox Live <laughs> wow, okay. in an E-rated game. As Please, she has the mic on, not me, hmm. uh, as we do stuff to one another. And we all like, know, if you've played Uno online, the shit you've oh, seen. Dude. The shit you've seen. Uh, Turnabout is cameras? fair play. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had I had sex on on a microphone, and, and, and that's like the most. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never mm. even sent a dick pic, but like that's like the most scandalous thing I've ever done online. Wow, it <laughs> is wow. The, yeah, just thinking of the, the. But I'll break camera. that streak if if either of you want a dick pic. Only Matt and Michael. No, I'm one. good. Yeah, I'm sure. fine. I'm fine. <laughs> so. Uh, 
What packing game did you spend the most time playing, and why? Uh, have a feeling a lot of you are probably going to say Super Mario World, but we'll see. You know, it's all about surprises. Again, it could be something that was like late in the console's life. It could be something well, you got at launch. Michael, remember we you were talking about like the complicated nature of the PSP because I think, mm. in, in all honesty, like I think that game that system had more packing. Yeah, it had so many than anything. Yeah, yeah, they had like Assassin's Creed and. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Metal versions Gear, of the PSP. God of War. Games. Did PSP ever come packed with Lumines? Because that, to me, is still the best Probably. game on the PSP. No, I, I don't. I actually don't think it did. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was just why the would, first. Why would you give game? that shit away? Because that shit is fire in the best game mm-hmm. that was on the PSP. Yeah, Other will, than Miami Vice, which I worked on. Fucking. I will be the first canary in the Lou mines at the drop. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, Lou, shout out, my shout out to Lizzie, whose new single uh, by yes. Teens in yeah, Trouble yeah, is out, by the way. Really Lizzie good. made the Lou Mines joke first. It It's cracked me up for like 12 fucking years. Did she? Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I love my Lizzie Cuevas. And, uh, uh, but Teens in Trouble, she has a new song, video starring your dog. It's great. Check it out. Teens in Trouble. The song is I'm Not Worried. I'm Not Worried. By, by Teens Lindsay in Cuevas. Trouble, mm-hmm. Lindsay's Teens band. in Trouble. Listen to it wherever you hear music on Asian Lizzie's Man Records. too talented to ever have recorded with us. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, I, once again, what packing game did you spend the most time with and why? Let us know. Go to vidgamepocalypse.com. Answer into the comments for episode 470. Alternately, you can visit us on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or... Ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will read the best answers on next week's show or play your video responses if applicable. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's call it some plugs. Guys, what do we got? Man, I just remembered how many 3DS pack ins there were. So many. <laughs> and then so 2DS. Well, especially if you got with the Founders Club shit for No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm talking about like. There was a Kingdom Hearts 3DS, an Animal Crossing 3DS, a Zelda 3DS. They all came mm-hmm. with the games. Yeah, yep. uh, that happened. They, they sold them like accessories because I think in Japan they said they were like people would like to have a 3DS that expressed whatever they're feeling right now and put that in their purse or backpack. Uh, yes, and, buy and multiple 3DSs. I it's the system I own the most of. I own five. Mm. Wow. Or six. I, I was like that with DS, not 3DS. Mm. Yes, I stole some of them. Sure. Uh, but yeah. Uh, oh, plugs, plugs, yes, plugs. Yeah, uh, plug, plug. Uh, Thirty twenty ten this week is fucking hysterical. Uh, I, I just it, did. I tell you guys that we're sort of you know you know what the thirty twenty ten format is, right? We looked at the world thirty twenty and ten yes. years ago, and mm-hmm. the the last four weeks we are looking at the end of the eighties because every. 80s television show, Who's the Boss, Growing Pains, Golden Girls, Jake and the Fat Man. They're all ending within a series of days. And, like, you know, when you're a little kid in the 80s, like, TV kind of defines the era. And it's all coming to an end. And, like, different shows, Simpsons, Home Improvement, are taking dominance. But we're just, we're watching, you're just pathetically watching, like, this Family Ties a different tone of show completely disappearing in the span of like three weeks. It's fucking weird. Uh, in addition to that, I, I discovered a movie that I had seen and hated and now love that. I love it. When you ever had a total reversal of opinion on something like that? Of course. Yeah. It, it's really, 
it feels good because it doesn't happen very often. And that happens this week. And uh, everybody's Diana and JR Rawls are greatest normal. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash laser time. We have a new Elden Ring episode up, right? Yes, we, we do. do. Yeah. The spoiler cast. Yeah. Where we, we talk about Elden Ring and nothing else for like an hour and 45 minutes. And I still think that there are things we probably should have talked about that I forgot about. At it's, the time. I, it was a 200 mm-hmm. hour experience for me. It was like yeah. hard to like distill how to talk about it. And we all. We were all talking while we played it and experienced things in different order. So it's like we can't talk about it like reading a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our experience was totally different. And, uh, and, and, and uh, JR and I, I think this week, are recording uh, more feedback for 30 2010, uh, your comments. Because again, like, you know, this is mostly a show based on anecdotes, not scholars or experts. And your opinions are just as important as ours. And I love it. But yeah. yeah, it's funny that you asked us if we knew the format of thirty twenty ten. I'm like, we've literally do a thirty twenty ten bonus <laughs> show in oh, games. Fuck mm. me, I am an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, damn. we are familiar. Thanks oh, for asking. What is wrong with me? Ugh. And if if you wanted to ask, hey Matt, how do I follow you on Twitter? Uh, it's at Maddie C Allen. M A T T Y C A L L E N. As always, you can find us online at VeggieGameApocalypse.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse, and you can follow me personally at Wikiparas, that's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z. I'm not going to spell out the other one, because I trust you to know how to spell Apocalypse. Anyway, that's been our show. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. stay over baby but you never know when i'm going to shit blood <laughs> you know <laughs>